This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Well, as we predicted yesterday, I said the Sally Burko uh, stuff would run this week, and it has. Yes, she emerged the other day, the shy, retiring, reticent Sally the Burke. Out she comes again, cheated for a year. No big surprise there. I just feel sorry for John Burko. Why is that to put up with this nincompoop for all this amount of time? God alone knows. But there again, she's achieved her objective. She's publicity hungry. She'll do anything. She'll sell anybody down the river. She doesn't really care. She'll turn up draped in a sheet. As she said on one of the papers, I'm a bad wife. Yep, you really are. I don't think anybody would disagree. I heard Yasmin Alibi Brown shouting at her on the radio yesterday. She said, what are you thinking of? And the answer is herself, as usual. It's LBC. There's loads where that came from. I mean you. Uh, the uh, the glam fest at the BAFTAs. The papers are full of, of what the third-rate Z-listers were wearing. Who gives a stuff? Who gives a stuff what they're wearing? Why don't we concentrate on the BAFTAs? I bet nobody knows exactly when the BAFTAs started or anything. The sort of people who are turning up there. And it really is. I mean, you've, you've, you've only got to look at how desperately sad it is when we've got um, presenter Donna Eyre. What are you doing? I'm sorry, darling. What are you doing there? It's for people in the business. Get out. Good grief. Emma Willis looked lovely. But then I think the understated is better. Rochelle Humes, who I don't know where she thinks she is. She looks like she's fallen off the top of a rather cheap wedding cake. And it's sort of a, a mesh and lace ensemble kind of thing. As long as she doesn't open her mouth. Because when she opens her mouth, she sounds like a trucker, doesn't she? She's a bit like that. Jessica Wright turned up. I'm sorry, dear. It's for people in the business. OK, not hanger-oners. They said here she, she tried monochrome in a gown for her, from her own collection. They said, so dull, we zoned out. Stick to the day job, dear. Jessica, stay in more, dear, OK? Stay in more, you're a bit boring. Uh, Hollyoaks' Jennifer Metcalf, I'm afraid we had no idea who she was at all. She was wearing a dress that looked like she'd caught it. And, um, and there was, I mean, it's the most ridiculous, stupid outfit you've ever seen. She's got one sleeve, there is no other sleeve. It's sort of missing that. And then halfway sort of down the dress, it's sort of been cut away. So it shows her, I mean, was this out of some joke shop or something, Jennifer? A little bit worrying. Uh, Michelle Keegan went, it's for people in work, dear. Don't go, okay? Not somebody who was in work and now is sort of desperately flogging her tedious marriage. Come on. Very nice of you to turn up looking like a peppermint ice cream, but that's about it. Prince Harry, where in God's name is he at the moment? Where's Prince Harry? He's either midway between Australia and here, or he's propping up a bar somewhere in Australia. Uh, Sally the Burke, I mean, let's face it, she was caught snogging a DJ. She's got her TV pal, hasn't she? Paddy Doherty. This man has been in and out of court more times than you and I have had breakfast. And uh, she'll turn up and do anything. She's a bit low rent. In fact, she's probably quite low rent. She says, I hate Westminster. They don't like you much either, dear. I've been a terrible wife. I feel embarrassed for your children. Seriously, I mean, it's awful, isn't it, really? That uh, that she's been out partying. She's, I suppose, really just stuck two fingers up to John, who I'm told is not the most popular person in the House of Commons. He's got to put up with this, you know. And then, <laughs> oh, good news, Sally. You're all right, love. Because apparently last night they contacted uh, Paddy Doherty, who's a pal of hers. So he didn't know about it. <laughs> it's obviously not a pal at all. And said, I'll always be there for Sally. I love her and understand her. You understand nothing, thick boy. You understand nothing. You're too stupid for words. Anyway, she's been on uh, Celebrity Big Brother against 
her husband's wishes. She's uh, she's just a bit cheap, I'm afraid. I feel a bit sorry for her, but she's achieved what she wanted, which is to be laughed at by the whole country, which is fantastic. So I tell you, by Wednesday, by Wednesday, they will be uh, they'll be separated. I can just see it happening. Uh, somebody else you're going to hate this morning in the paper today is Dorothy Taylor. She's a mum in the Benefit Street programme. She's another one here. She's 49. A bit difficult to tell how old she is, because she's one of these 49-year-olds who dresses a little bit too young for her age. And she's been dubbed Little Dot, which is lovely, isn't it? She's signed with the Fame Guru. Who is the Fame Guru? I don't know. She hasn't worked for 20 years. But uh, she's uh, she's braced for stardom. She says, uh, I want to get a house, and uh, and I want to... Um, and get a pool in it. I mean, the good news is, thank, thank God for this one, eh? She's got a history of depression. And she gets disability allowance, income, living support. And uh, she and her neighbours just go boozing every night. It's great, this depression thing, isn't it? I can't wait to get it myself. I can't wait to go down the job centre and go, I've got dep- I can't work anymore. Uh, can you give me loads of money as well? I'll take up smoking, if you like. And, uh, and I'll just say I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll do depression. Because honestly, in every picture you see of her, she's uh, she's swigging or smoking. Fantastic. She said um, some people don't don't like us. <laughs> Imagine nobody likes you, dear. You're ugly as well. And they stay outside till three a.m. in the morning, drinking and smoking. And sometimes there are arguments. Well, there would be with this sort of people. This this sort of it's it's like being stuck in the middle of the Jeremy Kyle show. It's like being stuck there when one of the uh, one of the uglies turns even uglier. And you think they shout at each other, they'd use obscenities. Awful, I mean, really quite dreadful. But uh, anyway, she shrugged off comparisons to to, uh, to the other one, uh, who's in, uh, I think, uh, James Turner Street's Deirdre White D. They're all, they're all a bit naff, aren't they, really? I feel a bit sorry for them, actually. But um, they've all had rants and they all do things. She just wants a swimming pool. And uh, this is from Stockton-on-Tees. Uh, Dot, who has six grandchildren, lives with her partner, Kev. Kev's 48. What? Great. And she's got a history of depression. Of course she has. It means you don't need to work. Can't wait for you to get to be old, dear, which will be about two weeks' time. And uh, and you think you're going to be rich and famous. Oh, my God, I do hope not. I really do hope not. Especially when, you know, you see a programme like that, and that yesterday you look at the uh, at the fantastic people who were out on the streets of London. You know, the uh, the old guard, they were out there. The the Chelsea pensioners, all of these people who turned up and marched and clapped. And, you know, there were a thousand old soldiers there. Every single one of them, a true hero. These old slappers from Benefit Street, what do they do? Nothing. They don't even work. They've never done a day's work in their life. Do you know, if I want... I really feel like going around there and spraying their houses with sort of pig slurry. That would make me feel a lot better about life. Because when you saw the Queen and the Royal Family and these old soldiers turning up in their wheelchairs and everybody clapped them and the Red Arrows were there paying tribute, and then you look at these old tramps, these old tramps from the Benefit Street. I've not worked for 20 years. Well, I tell you what, love, I'm taking away your benefits. That's what I want to do. That's what I... Come on, Mr Cameron. Start start thinking out of the box. Start thinking uh, in with the rest of the country, please. Let's go celebrate these old soldiers, uh, many of them in their 90s. In their 90s, I ask you. And they managed to get dressed. This old person in Benefit Street, I mean, she sits up till three in the morning getting drunk. 
I'd, I'd be inclined to bring a brass band round to the house at about, about ten past four, just after she'd gone to bed, and start going, well, I'm sorry, but I wake up at this time. I know you're going to bed, but that's kind of a bit tough, isn't it, really? And then see whether she starts trying to land punches, because you know what sort of person she is. You can see it. I felt very sorry. I have got a story for you later, incidentally, which is, um, which is so, so depressing. If it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, there's something the matter with you. And it will appeal to... Well, not even appeal. Appeal is the wrong word. It's, it will sort of highlight everything that is so awful in this, uh, in this country about, you know, we can't operate a proper NHS. And it's a brilliant story for parents. I read it, and you, you can only read it and have tears in your eyes. And I'll read it to you later on, and you will feel exactly the same. However, there is another story in the paper today of James Nichols. James Nichols apparently uh, went to see his new girlfriend. He's never he's never met her before. He met her on the internet, apparently, which is a good place to meet people. And he flew five and a half thousand miles to meet her for the first time. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? And so um, her name's uh, Shaney Holloway. And so he flew five thousand miles. And um, and on the on the first date, they went to get a, a picture taken. And so, this, very, so he's flown five and a half thousand miles. You know where this story's going, don't you? And he takes her out and uh, she stands because there's a lovely sunset and she's at the edge of a cliff and the cliff collapses and she falls to her death. Don't laugh. It's not funny. It's really awful. He, did, he wasn't expecting it. He was sitting there just... To, he, he, so he takes the picture. The cliff then gives way. And so she tumbled. He, he says, um, after, after she died, I made it my mission to find the exact rock that she left. I mean, that, isn't that the most sad story you've ever read in your life? Um, she couldn't be saved, and um, she died from these injuries. So he, he clambered down, gave her CPR for 20 minutes before the paramedics arrived. But anyway, uh, he later went to the city's botanic gardens, where she'd planted a rock for him. That's quite touching, isn't it? Kind of a waste of five and a half thousand miles, but I mean, there you go. You know, at least he got to see South Africa, and he, and he did get to see her, which is, which is quite nice. Unfortunately, of course, it didn't actually go any further. But uh, he's heartbroken, as you can imagine. The first date, he takes the picture, cliff collapses. I always say, though, don't don't stand too near to the edge of cliffs. I've seen people before. We used to, um, years and years ago, we used to live up in Yorkshire. And the coast there was constantly eroding. You would never, ever go anywhere near the cliff. Because you knew at some point it was just going to start crumbling underneath you. And I've seen people's houses that have been quite a way back, and as the erosion happens, uh, all these poor people lose their houses. There was one woman, she stood there, and the house just fell into the sea. Fell into the sea. So let that be a lesson to you, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever you go out there and you have a picture taken, try not to stand too near the edge, because it could have disastrous consequences. I mean, I felt immensely sorry for him, poor soul, honestly. But at least he got a rock planted for him. Which is quite nice, isn't it? Remember years ago, we used to have pet rocks... You could buy them in shops. It was a pet rock. I think they had names and everything. And you bought this rock. I mean, somebody obviously latched onto the idea. I'm going to make a complaint this morning. I'm going to make a complaint to restaurants who can't use plates anymore. Have you heard of this? You go in there and they serve your, your breakfast on a, on a wooden board. Or failing that, some of them, a shovel. A shovel. They actually bring a shovel to the, to the table and your, your breakfast is on a shovel. The first place I ever went to where they didn't use a plate was Bill's. And Bill's breakfast comes on a piece of wood. And I thought, can we have plates back again? There's a whole feature in the paper. They, they've picked up on what I complained about ages ago. 
and have said exactly the same. Plates, please. I don't want... I mean, one of them, they serve it in a shoe. Somebody serves breakfast on a brick. What a ridiculous, pretentious bunch of buffoons they must be. You know, a plate. That's what God made plates for. Well, Josiah Wedgwood. But, you know, at least we've got... You know, we should go out there and eat it properly. It's ridiculous. It doesn't do anything like it. That's just some of the things. Oh, look, here's, here's Victoria Beckham. Getting her... Uh, she was spotted leaving an optician's office with her dark glasses on. Looking miserable. We did laugh. I didn't, I didn't like to laugh there. I felt a bit guilty. Because, you know, they, she, she'd done an interview in some magazine saying that the boys leave little notes in her luggage when she's going away. And I said, that must be sweet. The messages probably read things like, who are you? When are you going to take your dark glasses off? Start eating? And would you like to come home soon? You know, quite little things like that, or failing that. Why don't you stay away, because Daddy's doing a really good job of being boring. You know, because we went to Greg's twice this week. You know, you, you do worry for Victoria Beckham. I mean, I, do, I worry because she looks glum, and I want her to be happy. Mind you, Davy Boy's 40th birthday didn't go as well as expected, did it? Perhaps he should have invited the Burkos. That would have livened it up a little bit. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. I've got on the line Simon Danchuk, who's Labour MP for Rochdale, who joins me now. Uh, Mr Danchuk, thank you for coming on the line. Good morning, sir. What is the future for Ed Miliband? Well, I think that has to be decided, but it's clearly not a good result for Labour. There's no doubt about that. The Liberal Democrats will go nowhere near coalition. I probably know a lot more about the Democratic Unionists than David Cameron. All right, I'm grateful for your time. Alex Salmon there, thank you. Boris Johnson uh, joins me. First of all, congratulations. Morning, the best part of five hours broadcasting here from Westminster, and I can only do it with the fantastic assistance of your father, Stanley Johnson, who's oh, sitting opposite. Who's is sitting he there? Opposite me now. Yes, well, you, Stanley, would you, like, would you like to talk to you? Hello. Well done. Congratulations. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7 on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. With over 2,000 hotels worldwide. Well, back to normal this morning. Nick Ferrari at breakfast at 7 as the Libyan ambassador says that the EU should not send more boats to the Mediterranean and instead send military help to Libya. Do you think that's the way to solve the problem of asylum seekers perishing before they reach Europe's shores? And the Human Rights Act, the Tories are going to try and get rid of it. Will we miss it? Plus Harriet Harman, acting leader of the Labour Party, joining Nick to discuss the future. Nick and the team at seven this morning. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. So yesterday, I started clearing up the bills. And the first bill that came through was the, the car tax. So I'm so used to doing my car tax online. Um, I go online and I start filling in all the details. And I thought, it's a bit strange. We've sort of got all these different things going on. And then... And I got halfway through it, it went, uh, now fill in your bank details. And I went, I don't want to fill in my bank, I just want to pay for it. I just want to pay for it. Why can't I not pay for it? Then I read the small print, and it said, you know, if you want to uh, pay for it outright, then you've got to call this number. So I call this number, and it's a totally automated system. In other words, no person. And I'm paying, what am I paying? £290, because I pay for my uh, car tax for a year. I don't do monthlies. I don't do six months because it's a bit more expensive and I'm mean, so I pay for the whole year. So £290. So, well, you sit there, don't you, for ages? OK, this is a fully automated system. Do you understand the question? Press one. So you push one. In the end, I've got digits going in. I think it's a 16-digit number on your car tax form, which is the V11, I think. And so I, I did that, and then it said... Um, how would you like... We're going to give you two options. Would you like to pay for six months' tax, press one, or 12 months' tax, pay two, press two. 
She pressed two. In the end, I'm, I'm so befuddled by numbers, I'm either pressing one or two. And then, having put in the 16, you know, we see this as a grey Bentley. Press one, if that's correct. Yes, of course it's correct. Press one. OK. We take the following cards. Press one, if you have these cards. Press two, if you don't have them. So by this time, I'm practic- I've started drinking. It's easier that way. It makes it go a bit quicker. And so eventually we get round to the, uh, to the card details. And so input the numbers. You, da, da, da. I mean, it's quite clever when you think about it. It's just time-consuming. so much easier to talk to a person. And hopefully one of these days you'll be able to talk to somebody and then wave your, your card in front of the phone, which will then automatically transmit the details. That'd be quite a nice way. Anyway, so I did that. And uh, first of all, it says, you know, wait while we check whether this, this car has valid insurance and MOT. Because if you don't have valid MOT and insurance, at least running for, I think, three months, at least three months, they, they won't give you the, um, the car tax. They won't give it to you. The machine automatically cuts you off. So, uh, and it did say on the form, this vehicle needs an MOT, because quite clearly it's over three years old. So, but I, luckily, I have an MOT. And I have car insurance, which I'm sure must be coming up any time soon now, but probably not for about a couple of months. So I did that. Then it went, uh, congratulations. Uh, you've, so, of course, now I don't know what I get in the post. I don't think I get anything. They're, they're sending me. Oh, no, they're not sending me anything, are they, really? Anyway, I have paid for it. I've just got to remind myself that the, uh, the, the, the road fund licence runs for a year. And I'm pretty certain that the next bill, I, well, I know the next bill I've got to pay is going to be for the parking permit for Twickenham which is good because that's only £68. So yesterday, in a very short space of time, I seem to spend quite a lot of money. And we don't get paid for a few, few days. And I know damn well at the end of this month I've got the VAT to pay. And I know that's going to be uh, a few thousand pounds. So that I've got to do today. I've got to do the VAT today, which is great. Because once I've actually done it, and I know it seems complicated to most people, if you've never filed VAT before, I just I have to make sure I've got everything in front of me. And it's generally speaking about uh, six invoices, six invoices for me. And so you've got to write them all down, minus the VAT, put that in the first box, then click, and then it sort of starts filling it all up by itself. And then you can work out the VAT on it. Because like a lot of people in this business, I'm on what they call flat rate, which means that you charge one amount, but you pay another amount. And it means that you can't claim anything. You just pay this this flat rate amount and they don't have to come around and see your books or anything else. It's a great way of keeping up and finding out what people are claiming they're earning, because all my stuff, as we explained yesterday, is uh, is done in tablets of stone. Which sounds like a government thing to do, doesn't it, really? Tablets of stone. So I felt quite pleased with myself that I actually got two done. Uh, and I shall feel a lot better today when I've done the, the VAT. Which, once I've done it, it takes about two minutes. I've just got to get all the stuff out and then do it. And then you file it and then it accepts it. And then that, that's good. Then, I think today, I think today we can start filling up the pots on the patio. I've got the earth. And, and I think it could, could be the day. Could be the day that we start filling up the pots on the patio. And I think this year it's got to be easy. It's not going to be anything complicated. It's just going to be geraniums. I've decided geraniums are very hardy. They can live in, you know, almost drought conditions. They always look bright and cheery. As long as you keep cutting off the flowers after they've died, or breaking them off, because they generally break off quite easily. Um, The comedy trampolinist who turned up on the television the other day, terribly funny, terribly funny. His name's Vladimir something, Grugevsky. He claimed to be an amateur when he began ban- when he began bouncing when he got a trampoline for his sons, but in fact, he's uh, he's with the Moscow State Circus. 
He's a professional act. He goes under the name of Professor Wacko. I mean, last week they were at Cardiff City's football ground. And uh, one bloke who recognised him said the act was exactly the same as the routine we saw at the circus. The thing that annoyed me is that Britain's Got Talent is supposed to be about finding hidden talent. Oh, it's not been like that for years. That's why they actually go out and they trawl the circuses. They're looking for... These aren't... You know, I mean, how many people do you know do a trampoline act? I mean, years ago, people would bounce and then forward and then they jump onto each other's shoulders. It's an act. You know, this, uh, this, this bloke moved to Wales... In 93, he's previously admitted being in the circus, but he told judges, I started bouncing, then friends said I should do Britain's Got Talent. You're a professional act, you liar. Why do these people tell lies? And the answer is because they can't find enough talent, sorry, talented people uh, to appear on the show. Because what they end up with is another load of blooming singers, but you got those on the X Factor. There's nothing unusual. I thought Britain's Got Talent. It's, it's a similar sort of formula that uh, Simon operates on all his other programmes. But it's exactly the same as, as uh, X Factor, only the few naff trampolinists thrown in. You know, dog acts who've appeared on there are professional acts. They're working circuses. They go to, to you know, to, to Eastern European countries where circus is big. It's big abroad, not as big in this country, which is a shame, because I think this is where it, it all sort of started, down by Waterloo. But when you look at the, the acts that they're bringing in, these people are professionals. They've been doing it for ages. Ages and ages and ages. So you're being cheated. You're being cheated. They, these aren't amateurs who just sort of borrowed a trampoline, stuck it in the back garden, and gone, oh, I'm quite good at this, I'll, I'll, I'll do it on the television. No, they're working in circus. There's loads of them. Lots of people laughing at Westminster Steve, at John Burko, saying couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. He's not popular, is he, down in Westminster? I heard that the other day, and I heard it on LBC where they were, t- I think um, Andrew Pierce was talking about it with somebody, and they were saying, he's not a popular person down there, but I used to use him on LBC. He was one of my, my regular uh, people that used to come in and we used to talk politics, surprisingly. Surprisingly. Oh, yes, loads of them. My God, they were all in. I mean, when I look back at the names, a lot of people who aren't MPs anymore, but they were all there in the beginning. And uh, I feel a bit sorry for him. That ghastly old baggage that masquerades as his wife has just embarrassed him just embarrassed him. I don't know what else you can say about it. I mean, quite clearly, she's a cheating little minx, if the stories are to be believed. And uh, she came out the other day, she doesn't like Westminster, but there we go, they don't like her either. She was just the silly little show-off, the silly little tension-seeker. We've seen loads of them. Nadine Dorris was another one, you know, and they pitch up in the jungle. George Galloway was another little show-off. You know, the sort of people you sit there thinking, my God, honestly, you're just lining your own pockets. You're not really interested in us. I thought that the other day. And I said to a friend of mine, he, he looked at me and said, don't be so naive. And this was after Miliband had completely decimated the, uh, the party. And, and then he sort of does his leaving speech, thank you very much indeed, like thank everybody, and it's a marvellous, I'm thinking, oh, it was quite a long, fairly lengthy speech. It went on a little bit too much. It, it turned into a bit drama queenish. You know, I thought he was auditioning for Hollywood. And then the next day, you see a big picture of him. He was in the papers yesterday with the wife and the kids laughing and smiling. I'm thinking, you really didn't care, did you? You really didn't care about the people who voted for you. You were having a bit of a laugh at their expense. I felt a bit sorry for him then and, and angry at the same time. That you know, they, I told you at the time, they'll promise you the world. If they don't get in, they, they couldn't care less about you. Why would they care less about you? They don't care. All those people who work so hard, people who pounded the pavement, thank you so much. Then the next day, ha, 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 ha. I didn't have to worry about it. Not going to need to worry about a job, am I? Why should I worry about it? So that's why I got, I got a bit annoyed. 
Because I, I just don't like people cheating the British public. We're, we're sort of gullible at the best of times. Oh, we found uh, some people to go into um, Big Brother um, coming up. Uh, they, they say here that there's a couple of old... I don't know if you remember... They, they said that there are a couple of... Um, what do they call them? Socialites. Twin socialites. And I thought, twin socialites? Who in God's name can that be? It's that pair of old baggages from TOWIE. They only lasted about five seconds. They were dreadful old tramps. Amy and Sally. Dear God in heaven, they've got noses like Concord. Seriously, you've never seen such a pair of naff people. In fact, I think Sam Fahir's, uh branded them the S-word. They were, they were dreadful. I mean, to be honest with you, and they call them socialites. Hilarious, isn't it? There's also um, uh, Eileen Daly, used to star in vampire sex films. This, oh, is this Big Brother or is just any old tramps turn up for it? I think. I think it's any old people because they've got a model called Aaron... Frew, who appeared in Calvin Klein ads, Calvin Klein, but he's uh, also appeared alongside Pixie Geldof and Lara Stone. He's going in the house to make his mother proud. Oh dear, you just predict a disaster, don't you? Danny Whisker, oh bless him, has already appeared on Towie, Love Machine and Girlfriends. And his exes include Cammie Lee, Stephanie Pratt, Amy Childs and Anna Kelly. Danny comes from Margate. God, how naff. Poor soul. He's also best friends with somebody from Geordie Shore. Oh, riveting. He's 29. Bit old for this, aren't you, love? Joel Williams is 19. He's a Conservative and serves on his local community in North Cardiff. He can't wait to share his political views. Oh, well, there you go. And that's... Uh, but it's it's the two old baggages. Towie cast members from ages ago because they were just so ancient and so naff. That's uh, Amy and Sally. Oh, God. We haven't had uh, twins on there for ages, but as I say, they were dropped from TOWIE because they were less than interesting. Oh, look, I'm late for the news. So sorry. It's Steve Allen on LBC. <laughs> Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Everything you've heard about the programme is true. We don't care. We really don't care. We've had the sad story, haven't we, of the man who flew 5,500 miles to meet his girlfriend... Uh, he, he took her out. Oh, why to the edge of a cliff? I've got no idea. He must have foresaw, foreseen disaster occurring. The good Lord decided to take her and the cliff collapsed and she died. And uh, But at least uh, the good news somebody pointed out to me is that he didn't fly five and a half thousand miles to find out that the girl he was he was going to see for the first date wasn't some sort of hairy armed biker or trucker or something like that. Somebody pretending to be somebody on the Internet. That could have been a bit of a bit of a disaster. Uh, Lee says one of the places I went to served food on a bin lid called the trash can challenge. I totally agree with you. Plates, plates. They've done a feature in one of the papers today on the amount of restaurants that serve food on anything but plates. I don't want my breakfast served on a wooden board, thank you very much indeed. I don't think it's hygienic. I want plates. I don't want it served on a shovel or a brick or sort of in wrapped up paper or something. Have you ever seen anything like it? Just getting ridiculous. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Kevin the Milkman says, maybe I'm missing a trick. To earn some extra money. Maybe I should sell a full English in a milk bottle. It's been done, hasn't it? Didn't they do? I mean, haven't Weetabix done something that it's it's you, you add water and it's Weetabix sort of breakfast in a in like a porridge kind of thing. I've said they're just making it more economical. 
It's now made me hungry for a cooked breakfast again. But I've, I've got to do my VAT. I'll have the, have the cooked breakfast afterwards. Uh, Angela says, surely your next book, Steve, has got to be So You Want to Be a Prime Minister. Dedicate it to all the Millie Cleggs. The celeb bug has spilled everywhere. Oh, it's just, it's just ridiculous. John the Cabby from South London, says, do you know you can now pay your car tax monthly direct debit? I tr- it's funny that you should say that, because I said earlier on, I've just done the car tax, but I don't want any direct debits. I've got a few direct debits, but I don't want to take on any more. I like to know what everything is, and I like to be in control. So if I've written out a, a cheque or I've stuck it on credit card, and they charge you for putting it on credit card as well, and they charge you, about £2.50, they charge you. It's like going into a shop, paying for it on a car, and they go, extra £2.50 on that one. Cheating little so-and-sos. It's horrible, isn't it? And, um, and so I, I sort of, I, I pay it all off, because then it's done, and then it's forgotten. I don't want, sort of, all of a sudden, my bank account to start dropping down from the usual £5.14 and sixpence halfpenny. Uh, listening, says Natalie, staff nurse, halfway through a 12-hour shift. <gasps> God, honestly, I don't know how you cope, actually. And I agree. Very sad, this culture of fame junkies. People are only famous for being in the papers and people getting loads of money thrown at them for being depressed. I know. If anybody has a right to be depressed, it would, you, it would be you, Natalie, wouldn't it? But, I, I, you see, I, that's why I, I did my book. Because we've now gone. I mean, it's so bonkers, this thing. This, this fame. Anybody. Sally Burko, I promise you, by the end of today, will have an agent... And they'll have put her forward for a, a programme. In the same way that they put that dreary boxing manager who changed his sex on the telly. God, what a bore he turned out to be. I couldn't care less whether he's changed his sex. I'm not interested in that. I'm just interested in whether somebody's got a personality. And unfortunately, Kelly Maloney is zilch. Dull, boring, tedious. And not tall either. And so, Sally the Burke, no doubt they'll be going, and we've signed her up for Celebrity Big Brother because, oh no, they've done her on there, haven't they? Perhaps they could do her twice. But she'll be revelling in this publicity. This this publicity is good. There'll be interviews in OK magazine when she finds a new boyfriend. Or she's found one, hasn't she? My God, where did they get him from? Was he backwards in the looks department? Everybody said exactly the same. John Burkos, I mean, he's not the tallest man in the world, but he's a nice, you know, looking man. He's very presentable. And she's taken up with this. Mind you, looking at some of her previous challenges... Not really a lot there, is it? Uh, I saw the Britain's Got Talent Vladimir act in Vegas, the show in Sin City, and was screaming at the television, liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is professional acts who are turning up on the television. Emma says, I send meals back saying, plate, please, not a chopping board. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've got, to, got to take issue with these sort of pretentious, poncy restaurants who think that we're impressed by food being served on a shovel. We're not. Uh, don't call it a car tax, Steve. Make cyclists very angry. I like making cyclists very angry. Number two. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall weave everything in. Uh, the trolls have hit out at Millie McIntosh, mainly because she's boring, I should imagine, but no. I think she was going to the BAFTAs for whatever reason. And um, she tweeted a picture. Unfortunately, it was in high definition. And she looks like she's growing a fairly bushy moustache. And so the people have tweeted, oh, nice, nice moustache you've got going on there. Because, you know, you have to you have to get one of those no-nos, which they advertise on the telly, which are about £300. Seems a lot, doesn't it? You get a whole packet of Bic razors for about a quid. Why, why bother? Uh, Sally the Burke makes the front pages of most of the papers today. But as I say, she'll love that kind of thing. Apparently she had a skiing accident. And um, she says I'm, I'm, uh, she, she, she's heartbroken. Oh, shut up, Sally. You really are a dreary old bag. You really are. So here are, here are the dresses. And that's the dresses. OK, let's move on. Uh, Anton Deck did very well. 
They did very well. Uh, Sherlock snubbed for a fifth time at the BAFTAs. It's a shame, isn't it, really? It always makes me laugh. The, the BAFTAs. And, uh, and they were brought to you by the House of Fraser. <laughs> kind of, it just kind of doesn't really work for me at all. But, um, but they, uh, you know, for the fifth time, unlucky for, for Benedict Cumberbatch. Snubbed yet again. He's now been nominated three times for Best Actor. And each time he doesn't get it. Uh, Ant and Deck do too. But they've got no competition. I worked it out the other day. There is no competition for Ant and Deck. Nobody does a show like that. The only person who would do a show like that and did, which they ripped off, was Noel's House Party. And that was, in my opinion, one of the best Saturday night programmes. That's why Ant and Deck do so well, because Noel's House Party was axed years ago. But I think the time is right to resurrect it. I'm sorry, I've always carried a, a big banner and a big torch for Noel Edmonds because the one programme which, I mean, I, I, I get deal or no deal. I mean, I love watching the greed of people. I think that, that's always my favourite little bit. But the other thing that I like is Noel's Christmas presents where I weep like a baby. Seriously, I cannot help it. I could sit down and watch old Noel's Christmas presents. And each time I sit there, I can count on one hand how many minutes it takes for me to sort of just find myself crying uncontrollably at these people who sometimes don't have anything or they've had a tragedy in their life. Or Noel went, I mean, the one that was, you know, there's there's been a few that have really struck me. And one was a, a couple who they did it, I think, at City Variety Leeds or or another little place like that, lovely little theatre. And, um, and Noel gives these... Pre- people write into him over the year and they say, listen, I'd like to nominate this person or that person. And they'd nominated this little girl because she was very ill and they wanted her to have a nice time. And I think they wanted her to go... It might, I might have got this, this wrong, but, but the gist of it was that she was very ill and I think they were going to get her to go and see Father Christmas. And so Noel's got the, so he, he, he sets the scene for you. And he says, but then things took a turn for the worst. And so the, the couple are in the audience. And uh, they then explain that before they were going to do this special thing for their daughter, she died. And she was only young. Well, I'm, I'm just, uncon- you know, I'm just dreadful. I'm just falling apart at this moment. Thinking there is nothing worse than losing somebody anyway. But if you lose a child for a parent and they were in a terrible state, I was in a terrible state. The audience were in a terrible state. I spent the whole time crying. But of course, I like that because I think it gives you the human side of it. People who have an inability to cry, I think there's something the matter with them. I think they've got a screw loose. And the other one was an old lady walking down the street with her family from Liverpool or something like that. And it shows how long ago it was because John Major was the prime minister. And Noel's filming on the streets. It's all a setup. And this woman's coming towards him with, with her family. And uh, he goes, oh, I'm so, can I just ask you a couple of questions? You know, what are you doing down here in London? She said, oh, uh, I've been brought down to do some shopping for my, for my family. And, of course, he, he knows the story. And he says to her, so, you know, will you be spending Christmas with the family? Well, all except my, my grandson. Oh, right. Is, 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 he not in, is he not here at the moment? No, he's serving in the Navy. Oh, right. Oh, so you, you won't be seeing him for Christmas this year? No, I won't be seeing him for Christmas. And she gets a bit teary, the fact that obviously she loves this, this grandson, who I think he's only about 19, 20, but he's, uh, he's, he's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on one of these destroyers. And so he says, I tell you what, he said, I know somebody in the MOD. So she, she looks at him like he's mad, mad as a broomstick. And uh, he says, why don't we go down there and see if we can sort of get a message to him? And so she, she's looking at him thinking, I'm in some strange dream with this mad bloke off the television. So they go to the MOD 
And uh, Noel goes inside and he says to this uh, bloke, he said, um, he said, can you help this lady? She'd like to, to get a message through to the ship uh, for sort of Christmas because he's not going to be coming home. And this, this man who's got more medals than I've ever seen in my life says, um, well, I can't do anything, he says, but I know a man who can. So this, by this time, this woman thinks she's on drugs. So they walk out of the MOD, they walk over the road and they go into 10 Downing Street. They walk in, so she's there with the family. She's looking round thinking, this is some horrible joke, isn't it? And, of course, I'm, I'm kind of ahead of the game a little bit. So she's in this room, and in walks the Prime Minister. In walks John Major. Well, of course, she could have knocked her over with a feather. And so, she, oh, Mr Major, she says, you know, I might... And she starts explaining this story that her grandson is on this ship and he's not coming home for Christmas and can they get a message? And uh, John Major goes, I think I can do better. And he, sorry, I've told myself back. He opens the door and there's her grandson standing there. They've flown him off the ship and he's there to see his grandmother. Well, that was it. I, at that moment, I had to get the whole box of tissues. She's in tears. The family's in tears. I think the reason was that she'd had um, a granddaughter murdered. And I think that was why, to cheer it up a little bit. But he was the, he was the missing link. And when John Major said, I think we can do better than that and opens the door and there he is well i was in pieces in pieces you're going to be in pieces with a story i've got for you this morning because it's another one of those stories where you're just going to get emotional i was reading it and i was in tears reading the story because i felt for the uh, for the family and the and the people who are actually all part of this scenario which i'll tell you about a little bit later on so i thought we need something to cheer ourselves up i've now gone into such a deep depression uh, oh perhaps i can get money quarter to five steve allen on lbc remember i'm always telling you in uh, regent's park on a sunday morning i'm constantly bumping into famous people mind you of course they probably go home and say you won't believe this we saw steve allen in regent's park this morning you know going back i can't believe i actually saw steve allen oh he was there oh, was marvelous anyway so two weeks ago who did we see we saw uh, Mr. Mandelson with his boyfriend out walking their dog. That was quite sweet. And, uh, and who did we see yesterday? Mary Portis was out with a, with a pushchair and a dog and a small child. And I couldn't remember whether it's her child or her partner's child. I got a bit confused by that. But uh, she was all by herself, wandering across there. I think they, all these people must live around Primrose Hill. But she's probably gone back home to her girlfriend going, you won't believe this. I saw Steve Allen in Regent's Park. <laughs> Always happens, doesn't it? Um, I totally agree with you, says John, about the BAFTAs. What the heck's going on? Uh, because, you know, it's a shame, really, that, you know, some people get awards and some people don't. But it just turns into what they were wearing. I mean, I could, they could turn up in a in a bin liner. I'm not interested. But that's all it comes down to. They're trying to take away the glory. Talking of that, Jessica Hines, who won Best Female in Comedy, uh, used her moment in the spotlight to express her disappointment over the Tories' election win. Oh, nothing worse than droning on actors about, oh, you know, I came from a single family, my mother did this, and we got the cuts coming up. I nearly came to fisticuffs with a friend of mine the other day. He said, um, he said, I don't want to be rude. I thought, you're going to be. He said, but, you know, why don't you pay for your prescription? And I said, I don't know. But I just know that diabetics don't pay. We, we get it all for free. So I get my needles for free. I get my insulin for free. I get my tablets for free. Uh, he said, because you can afford to pay. I said, well, I mean, I could. You know, I mean, I'm not exactly strapped for cash, put it that way. I said, but the, he said, well, why, why'd you get it for free? I said, the reason is because there are lots of people 
who um, who are diabetic, who, if they didn't get their medication, would die. It's as simple as that. I need my medication to keep me alive. You know, I can notice the change in my, in my body uh, if I don't do things at the right time during the daytime. And so he said, oh, right. He said, because it's only about £8, isn't it? I said, oh, that's a lot of lottery. That's like a few, few lottery tickets. He said, but you could afford to pay. He said, perhaps people should be means tested. I said, well, dear God in heaven. I said, at least I don't take the Bentley round to pick up the prescription. You know, that would make it worse. Have you seen the price of petrol nowadays? And he said, no, he said, because they're going to bring in all these cuts because they've got to save so much. He said, but at the moment we're running about 90 billion under, you know, under. We don't, we don't, you know, that, that's how short we are. And I said, yeah. I said, but I don't know what the answer is. And I don't think they know what the answer is. If they're going to make cuts, I mean, I, the one thing I don't want to see cuts in, I don't want to see cuts in the NHS. Absolutely not. I really don't. I want to cut down on the overseas health tourists coming in and taking full advantage. And in some cases, bent doctors abroad helping them to uh, to get this, this treatment. That's got to be stopped. Um, I want to see more police on the streets. I want to see a better deal for police officers. Why should they have to put up with the, the crap that goes on on the streets? It's quite dangerous going out there being a young copper nowadays. And some of them, I mean, they don't... I mean, most of the, most of the women round, round here, they don't seem to be blessed with height. You know, they seem to be as if they've wandered out of a pantomime, some of them, all due respect and all the rest of it. But uh, so I want to see more, more police as well. I want to see the, uh, the borders tightened up considerably. As I pointed out yesterday on the programme... The, uh, the amount of murderous rapists and paedophiles who are in the country at the moment is almost of epidemic proportion. I know that's an overdramatization, but there's loads of people here. They don't have to declare anything. You can be a convicted murderer in Latvia, walk in the door here and not say a word. And some of them are driving minicabs. Be warned. Mind you, my, my, my car this morning, my private hire car, this is a first. Halfway through, through the ride, we got the Muslim call to prayer coming out. And I'm sort of in the back there thinking, how long does this go on for? It was... And, it was, and I could hear it quite quite clearly. So I'm assuming... I wasn't sure whether he was going to pull into the side of the road or not. This is my speedy Gonzalez driver. This is the guy who literally puts his foot down. I mean, practically, I'm getting... You know, it's like you get that sort of thing where you're sort of like caught in a wind tunnel. Really quite uh, quite amazing journey. Uh, Rose West. God, are you not dead yet? Why don't you hurry up and die, dear? This is the serial killer... You have, if you go back in history and you check out what Rose West did, why we're keeping her alive, I've got no idea. Couldn't they just put something in her food? Would that not be helpful? You know, we want to save money. Let's start killing off mass murderers, shall we? She could be the first one on my list. But she's been exchanging recipes and knitting patterns with a woman jailed for life for murder. Uh, Rose West is 61. Oh, dear, that's a shame, isn't it? And uh, Claire Latif also chat about TV shows that they've watched in the letters they exchange. Well, who's, who's released that? That must be somebody who vets these letters before they pass them on. This is a this is a breach of trust, I think, here. Uh, Latif from Leeds was jailed for torturing and murdering a vulnerable person. That's, of course, Rose West, who's... Uh, she's never going to be freed. She murdered ten women. Luckily, her husband hanged himself. So that was good news, wasn't it, before the, uh, before the trial. Shame she didn't do the same thing. They, they tortured people. And uh, to be honest with you, I'd slip broken glass into your food, rest, uh, Rose. I'd make you eat it as well. Make you eat it. Why should we keep people like that? She's never going to be released from... What's the point of keeping her? Not serving any useful purpose. And exchanging recipes and knitting patterns. Is this some sort of joke or something? Six and a half thousand staff in China uh, went on holiday the other day. All at the same time. Their boss, who is uh, Li Jinyuan... 
booked 140 hotels in Paris uh, and 79 hotels in Cannes and Monaco to cater for the party. 6,400 went over there. Um, he laid on 147 buses to take them to the Promenade des Anglais in Nice, where they broke the Guinness World Record for the largest human phrase. They formed the letters visible from the sky to spell out Tien's dream is Nice in the Côte d'Azur. It's a 20-year partnership, and it cost him £24 million. That's it. Do you know what? If I had that sort of money, I'd like to do that. I'd like to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take 6,500 stars. You imagine the hotels they're going, uh, we've got 6,500 Chinese not been outside of the country, and uh, they're looking for food that they would get at home. What? Imagine going to Nice and trying that one. But what a nice, gen- uh, generous person he must be. What a nice, generous person. I like generous people. I you know, always make my heart glad, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC, right. My kingdom for some Tomorite. Yes, it's, it's, now is the time to start putting just a little dollop in the watering can. Just a little splash. Nothing too much. Don't get too carried away. Mark's a basket case in Liverpool. Can't wait to get my hanging baskets. I really can't. I'm very much looking forward to them. And um, I got some gorgeous red ones for £10 from Costco. Very cheering. Yes, do you know, I might... uh, I did see them the other day, Judith. I might have to shoot down the motorway later on and go and pick up some. £10 for a tray seems quite good to me. So I might uh, might try that. Could be a good idea. Um, Another one here. Um, surely a wooden plate, says Tyrone, would carry more bacteria like a chopping board. I was sent my lunch the other day on a slate tile, and I found the noise of the knife against the slate unbearable, like that scene from Jaws when Robert Shaw drags his fingers down the blackboard. Bring back plates. I know. I'm starting the Steve Allen campaign. More plates in restaurants. Don't be pretentious. Just give it to us on a plate. Imagine going into Patisserie Valerie or the local transport cafe and they serve it on a half tile. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Silly show-offs, honestly, drives me mad. Uh, my granddad was a road navvy, says Michael. I know what you're going to say, because I've seen it done myself as well. When the, when the people were on the roads doing the, uh, doing the things and he used to cook his breakfast, I've seen people holding their shovels over, over the, the brazier to cook he said, I went round to my nan and granddad's one day and he was out in the garden shoveling and cooking breakfast over a fire. One of the best fry-ups I've ever had. Michael is the black, the, uh, the black cab poet, of course. I've, I mean, I have seen people doing that. They were very, very industrious. Very, very industrious. Didn't the Queen look good the other day? Don't you think the Queen looked great? You know, she's fantastic. Uh, Simon Cowell has discovered a new X Factor star. He thinks uh, Nick Grimshaw could join the judging panel. With what experience? He just plays records. You might as well... I, I, can, I can play records. I can do that. They say he could freshen it up. Really? I didn't think so. And somebody says uh, he's one of the most well-connected men in show business. Well, he's not there to be well-connected. He's there to go, you can't sing. That's all it is. And for that, you could bring in a chain, a trained chimpanzee. They say the hope is that uh, he will come in and Louis will leave. I thought we said the other day... See, Grimmy, whose showbiz pals include Harry Styles, Kate Moss, Rita Ora and Pixie Geldof. Pixie Geldof. What a waste of space she turned out to be. Could be confirmed as a judge. Well, I hope he can turn up. He can't turn up for his own radio programme half the time, so what's the point? He wants somebody who can actually uh, give some... Trouble is, he's never worked on telly, has he? He's done telly, but he's not not telly-friendly. Some people are like that. I know somebody who is sort of, you know, has done telly before, but not telly-friendly. 
You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's that it's that thing that leaps out of the screen at you, which is which is, I don't know. It's it's called likability factor, and he doesn't doesn't seem to have likability factor. Most people think he's a little posh boy who hangs around with the likes of deadbeat Pixie Geldof, ghastly person. Malcolm says, I heard on the news a suitcase containing a body was found in a canal. It's being treated as suspicious. Blow me down, he said. I know you would think that would be the first thing. However, laugh of the moment. Frankie Bridge, again from the Saturdays, on her boring pregnancy. I've had morning sickness like the Duchess. I just lay on the floor. Even moving my eyes made me want to be sick. If I read another dreary story about you, Frankie, in and out of rehab as she was, um, I think I might have to start ripping the paper up. I'm a love-it-or-hate-it kind of person, she says. Yep, that's how I feel when I see you in the papers. Oh, my God, fathers. Poor old Mark Wright. Had to put on a pair of budgie smugglers. Not filling those out very well, are we? Heavens, I need to get some advice from David Beckham. I'd ought to be rude to Michelle Keegan, but frankly, it's going to be another sympathy card being sent, I suspect. You know, poor little soul. That's it, is it? Oh dear, never mind. Uh, coming up to the news at uh, five o'clock, there's an anti-aging cream in the paper today. They say it actually works, provided you keep using it. You know, it's about 20 quid, 29 quid, which means that I suppose by the time you've taken away the overheads like the box, you're looking at something worth a few quid. And uh, they say it actually works. Yeah. So that's why none of the other companies have come up with it. It's only available in Boots, who come up with these sort of things. Always quite funny, actually. Always quite funny. But uh, there is no miracle cure, ladies or gentlemen. You're just going to have to get old. Accept it. It's as simple as that. Even though my bathroom is absolutely full of creams like that. Uh, Warren's up and about this morning. Everybody's up and about. Why? Because it's Monday. And um, Britain could be forced to take in tens of thousands of refugees who were saved from the Mediterranean whilst trying to cross from Libya. That's according to the Times. To go where? To go where? I thought Cameron's already said we're not taking any more. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Junk food kills the gut bacteria that can help keep people thin while Belgian beer and coffee increases them. This is a new book. And uh, Simon Cowell, Louis Walsh has been dropped as a judge from The X Factor. Poor old Louis. We were, we, were, we were for him yesterday. We were going, go on, Louis, you should stay there. And, um, and uh, Jerry. Yes, Jerry's still around. I'll tell you why in a moment. It's LBC. On FM, online, on your mobile, and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Oh, I've had to rush. Oh, dear. Rushing, rushing, rushing. Strange enough, Jim Diamond, who works on uh, one of our sister stations, was saying he was in Nice and he saw all the Chinese people over there. He said, we wondered if it was a convention. He said, and then we thought they were following us. He said, but they're all wearing identical outfits. I said, yeah, six and a half thousand of them were over there at the, uh, the expense of their company, who'd spent £24 million. Pounds. I mean, that is the holiday. That is the holiday. Uh, the trucker pulled over in the papers this morning for reading a book while he was driving at 60 miles an hour. It's going to be hot today as well. What have they said? 74 degrees? Hotter than Nice, I should imagine. Sounds ghastly. I shall be suffering and moaning about it, as usual, I'm afraid. And the story that um, that I brought you yesterday... I'm not, honestly, we seem to be so ahead of these stories and so on top of them at the moment. And this is poor little Jerry Halliwell. Her fiancé's parents have insisted they won't be attending the nuptials. Uh, they don't like her. 
which kind of <laughs> kind of sums it up, really, doesn't it? And so they were hoping, uh, well, she was hoping that they, they could be persuaded, but that the parents aren't remotely interested. Um, and so they've said no. And I don't know who's going to be there. I mean, at the moment, it's all been a little bit embarrassing. First of all, Davy Boy Beckham's birthday party was not attended by the Hollywood A-listers, apart from Eva Longoria. And let's face it, I mean, that's just a little bit, uh, a little bit embarrassing. Um, and then you've got Jerry Halliwell's uh, hen night, and there was nobody there at all. There was nobody who you would recognise. They're just her yummy mummy friends, which is all she mixes with now, even though she's been been around the block a few times. Not as many times as Sally Burko, but there you go. And uh, so now she's going to get married. Bearing in mind she's been engaged three times before, so she doesn't have great track record. And the truth of the matter is, she's needy. Whether she's got more mellow as she's got a bit older remains to be seen. Uh, they haven't sold the uh, the photos, of which I'm eternally grateful. Um, and so, and that, that, that's it. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. She's getting married. I think it's this Saturday. I think it's this Saturday at Zion House. Um, what else have we got here in the in the papers this morning? Oh, George Clooney, who says quite unsurprisingly, "My wife wears the trousers in our house." Couldn't possibly comment. And um, and a former bank manager who tried to convince the tribunal he was the victim of sex discrimination when he was sacked for a drunken attack on his girlfriend. David Horton made a claim under the Equality Act, usually used to protect women on maternity leave, but he lost the case. The tribunal said there was no reason to suppose that a female employee in the same circumstance would not have been dismissed. And the, um, and the other story is, of course, in the papers today, which seems to dominate all of them, as we predicted it would. Sally Burko, she is just about everywhere, which is the kind of thing she, she likes. She craves publicity. Uh, she'll do anything to get, you know, to get herself in the papers. And this is the thing. She's turned up on crutches as well. It's a, it's a great picture. Great picture of uh, Sally the Burke. And, as I say, I'm predicting that by Wednesday this week they will have announced a separation. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here, uh, which says, this is June, who says here, my husband, when ordering food, always points out how he is, uh, always points out how he is dressed. This states, I show I am neither a caveman nor sat by the campfire. So I'll have, I will have my food on a plate, not a lump of slate or wood. I don't think it's hygienic. I don't think it's hygienic, I'm pretty certain, to serve on wood. I mean, would that not, would that not harbour bacteria? Would that not harbour bacteria? I think so. I think so. Uh, there should be warning, says Steve, at the start of Benefit Street, that the programme could incite genuine working people who want to damage their sets as they become angrier and angrier. Yes, exactly. Well, as I say, the one thing that runs through Benefit Street is depression. Have you noticed that? I'm not, I, I, I agree with it as well. I get depressed watching them. I think I might go for it too, because it seems to be there, and yet, magically, the moment they take the alcohol, the depression vanishes. Two of them now. Not work for 20 years. Not work for 20 years. It's really, really embarrassing. But um, one here called Darren, he says, I find your comments unwarranted and offensive. Well, kind of tough, mate, isn't it? A little bit tough for you. I'm sorry about that. He says, um, people... St- oh, here we go. This is, this is one of the, uh, the banner-waving people. People, it says here... People that struggle with mental health issues. Really? I wish I had a mental health issue like that, that I could rake in 26 grand a year for not working under the guise of I've got depression. Of course, if they actually worked, have you noticed that the depression vanishes when they start working? Which is so good. 84850. Not a cheap put-down, Darren. It's a very expensive put-down. Probably for you as well, actually. He says, uh, 
our research indicates that one in four UK citizens will suffer with a mental health issue. Yeah, and then turn up on the television. Love. It's hilarious, isn't it? I love it. Absolutely love it. You must do what you must do, dear. What, uh, what does part of me think, says Jeff in Epping, that the marriage of Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan won't last the course? I don't know. They're certainly getting enough for the uh, pictures, aren't they? So far, they've managed to milk his stag night. They've managed to milk his her her hen night in Dubai. And so they've released pictures. And then you can have spreads in there. But then, does it equate to work? Probably not. Probably not, I don't think. But I should imagine his agent must be delighted. I mean, it's because uh, his agent must be getting a percentage. That's how it works, isn't it, really? That's how it works. I remember Noel Edmonds with the grand, but what she didn't know was she was now a great-grandma and John Major came in carrying her great-grandson, which was the icing on the cake. It was such a good... It's a funny thing, you remember these, don't you? You remember this stuff. It's absolutely brilliant. Steve, I used to like the Wimpy Bar, but it was always on plates and proper cups. Emma says, I always send meals back. Loads of people do that, don't they? they we, we, we've started reacting badly. And we've started sort of saying, no, I'm terribly sorry. You know, this is, uh, this is not acceptable. I do not want my food served on a wooden board. I do not want my food served on a shovel. I do not want to see Sally the Burke appearing in the papers. I don't want to see anybody from Benefit Street appearing in the newspapers either. These foul-mouthed people, most of whom seem to appear in court on regularly, a regular basis uh, for drug charges. For drug charges. Always interesting. And then the anarchist mob. Here they are, the rich middle class. And they are rich middle class. One of them, a privately educated apologist. Her name is Laurie Penny. She defended the people who daubed a rude slogan on the statue in the cenotaph of the women of World War Two. What an ignoramus she must be. What a complete ignoramus. She said, and then last night when she was challenged over it, she said, I didn't mean to insult anyone, much less advocate vandalising public monuments. Ghastly woman. Ghastly woman. Privately educated at Brighton College. She said, I don't have a problem with this. This is after the, uh, the vandalism. I don't have a problem. The bravery of past generations did not oblige us to be cow today. <laughs> The drivel some of these people write about. And then you look at them, all very well-dressed, with their faces, with immaculate makeup on, pretending that they're anarchists, of course. And they've said that there's going to be more. Good, well, we'll just arrest more of you. Perhaps we'll have to build more prison. I mean, the sneers and the bile that comes out of these uneducated mouths, organised on social media, uh, Facebook, after the Conservative Party's resounding election victory. And so they're seen holding little banners up, which they've written in childish writing, Tory scum. You know, things like that, you know, wash, something seared, Tory filth, all that kind of stuff. They're so sweet, actually, because they go back to their OKR lifestyle. And uh, we're going to go out and we're going to, like, protest against the Conservatives. You know, the majority of the country vote for them. And yet a little handful of non-entities go out there and think they can daub our um, our cenotaph and stuff like that. Last time somebody did it, they went to prison. Let's hope they find the one for this time round. Uh, sexting and online bullying... Apparently. And there seems to be load this sexting thing I never quite got into. I didn't quite understand what it was until I um, sort of read more about it. And it seems to occur most of the time. We had, uh, we had, we had a lot of online bullying. Definitely a lot of online bullying. In fact, there is somebody in the papers today who's, uh, who's been bullied online. We had it with Rio Ferdinand. And I think parents who've lost children, they've been bullied online. I can't quite understand. You know, perhaps these people have got some illness or something. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, Mike says, nice to hear your cheery voice this morning. I'm in a very good mood, actually. I like Mondays. I like Mondays. Somebody says, you do pay for your prescriptions. 
You pay your tax and national insurance, and I'll bet a darn sight more than most listeners do. I suppose I do, actually, but it's, it's still the case of, if we were means-tested, if you're one of those people who gets... Fr- and then the other thing a friend of mine said to me, having sort of heaped the diabetes thing on me, and saying, you know, um, why should you not pay for it? Because you can afford to pay for it. And you say... Yeah, I could afford to pay for it, but then, you know, perhaps I could pretend I couldn't to get it for free, but I get it for free because it keeps me alive. And he said, also, he said, why do, why do all these people get their free bus passes? You know, lots of people who can easily afford to pay for their bus journeys, why do they get free bus passes? I said, I don't know, it's just, I mean, I've never had anything free before in my life like that. But if you're over a certain age, now you get something, you apply for it, and they send it back, and you can travel free on the buses and the tubes, and then after 9.30 you can use the railways. So it's, it works out quite economically. And, and I suppose it's a perk. I to be honest with you, I mean, if, if the government are trying to save loads of money, they could axe it. It could easily be axed. It wouldn't actually change my life that much. But I do tend to find myself hopping on and off buses. Well, not literally hopping, kind of hobbling on and off buses. And I, and I quite like it. I look on it as a little perk. I thought it was... Because I've never had anything before. You know, I don't get a disabled badge or anything like that. I don't, I don't really see, you know, why I have to sort of apologise for something that's been given to me. I mean, I don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty getting the free prescriptions. I really don't. But then he said, what about all the cancer sufferers and their medicines? I said, well, perhaps their medicines cost more than my medicines. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to check, actually, with, the, with my chemist on that one. Because only only he would know which ones cost a lot of money, and sometimes I know some of the some of the cancer drugs are are really really expensive, and that's why that's why uh, people don't get them for free. I get mine for free because I don't know how how inexpensive insulin is, and I recycle. I've got my little sharpie boxes to put everything in, my needles and the and the insulin and stuff like that, and I get all my other tablets, my metformin and uh, and all the other range of tablets. But I'm I'm not the only one. There's millions of us. But you're right. We could save an awful lot of money if we started means testing people and deciding that if you earn over a certain amount of money, you can afford to pay for your prescription. I'd love to see about eight pounds a week or whatever it would be wouldn't necessarily kill me. Or perhaps it's just eight eight pounds a month. That'd be doable. I could do. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I really wouldn't. Quarter past five. With the late Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Still to come, that story which is going to tug at your heartstrings this morning. I don't like to do it on a Monday morning, but I read it and, uh, and I welled up a bit. I welled up a bit. Uh, even bigger than some of the other stories in the papers. And now they've kind of moved the election to one side because it, uh, it fizzled out on the Friday. Everybody sort of, some people very happy. And then there were sort of riots. There's going to be more riots, they say. A few more people say we don't like the Conservatives, where the majority of people obviously wanted the Conservatives. Funny thing is, looking at these uh, so-called anarchists, it's a rather strange word to use in the year 2015, because they all look terribly well-heeled and terribly, terribly posh. And you begin to wonder, is it just sort of posh totty who goes out there because they've got themselves on the television? You know, mummy was uh, chained herself to the railings. And so we thought we'd do the same kind of thing. You thought they'd be voting Conservative. They can't have voted Lib Dem because nobody seemed to vote Lib Dem. And the Labour Party appeared to be decimated. Very interesting. But going back to the the plates. And this all started with a guy called Ross uh, McGuinness. Uh, Ross McGuinness. Uh, got really angry. He's, he's founded a, a campaign group on Twitter called We Want Plates. <laughs> it's very straightforward. And so people have sent him pictures from around the world uh, of food served in unusual receptacles. Uh, a starter arranged on a brick. The full English 
served on a shovel with... That looks delicious, actually. It's got two eggs, a sausage, some beans, two hash browns. There's no bit of fried bread in there. Uh, a burger served on a set of scales. Um, um, a baked piece of camembert and bread on a rat trap. Uh, one here served on an iPad. And the picture on the iPad is of a plate. Uh, wedges on a ping-pong bat. Uh, somebody served up bread and cheese in a flat cap. I mean, there's this... And also croquettes in a trainer. I mean, that can't be serious. I mean, nobody in their right mind, unless you're mad, would ever be serving things like that. He says, how can anybody think eating out of a shoe is hygienic? Well, the one thing I would worry about, if your food was served uh, on a wooden board and it was steak... Pardon me for saying this, but would not the juices from the meat, the blood and something like that, seep into the wood? Would that not be just disgusting? The answer is yes. If I wanted food served on a breadboard, I'd have stayed at home. But plates are so cheap nowadays, I don't know why. they do. Perhaps they sort of, you know, perhaps people think that's what we want. People pay for that kind of rubbish, don't they? People are interested. People are up in arms about a pig which was uh, put onto this... Bear Grylls survival show, only to be executed. But that's what happens to pigs. I'm sorry to break it to anybody who might be vegetarian listening at the moment, but uh, th- this programme was about survival. Had they not killed the pig, then they would have uh, starved. Um, it was. It's, it's all a bit embarrassing, but if you're making a survival programme, you've got to, to make it realistic. I personally wouldn't want to go on a survival programme knowing... That's the kind of thing you would have to do. I would be the one person saying, listen, I'd rather eat berries and I'd rather eat grass or something like that. Rather, I, know, I eat bacon, don't get me wrong. I eat bacon and I'm more than happy to eat bacon. I don't eat pork, only because I just think it's not really interesting eating pork. And I eat steak and stuff like that. But if it comes down to killing the animal myself, I'm not going to do it. But they said, but they were making a television programme and the programme was about people doing survival it wasn't quite like the Anne Widdicombe programme. Little old Widdy was out there pretending to sort of be something she's not. And when it came down to actually doing something from Victorian times, such as killing an animal, I won't, she said, and became quite adamant about it, which seems a bit pointless of going on the programme. A bit like those people who turn up on the, on the Come Dine With Me show. They, they turn up there and then they go, I can't eat that. And you go, it's a food programme. Are you put on there? Are you just such an egotist? Like being on Benefit Street, isn't it? You know, these egotist, drunk, chain-smoking, useless waste of space that turn up on the television, which sort of infuriate the whole country. I'm glad to see that uh, poor old White Dee's career appears to be suffering even as we speak. She's disappearing faster than her weight, which is a shame. I've got a... Oh, I can't do this sad story just yet. Well, perhaps I can, actually. No, I'll save it. I'll save it for a little bit, because it, it, it is too sad for this time of the morning. I, want to, I need to get myself into, uh, into gear. Uh, Britain to get tough with the EU. This is David Cameron uh, on the front of the Express today, urging to fight for a British veto of any new EU laws. And senior backbenchers have told the Victoria's Prime Minister now is the time to get tough and use his election mandate to extract major concessions from Brussels. And uh, couldn't agree more. So we've got to restore control of our destiny. <clears throat> Peter Mandelson has sort of chipped in. Why are they all doing it now? Is it because they couldn't do anything beforehand? So here's little Peter Mandelson condemning Labour's election defeat the other day. Um, backbencher Ian Lavery said Lord Mandelson doesn't want to let go of the, the new Labour project. But apparently Paul Kenny, who's from the, uh, the GMB General Union, said Lord Mandelson needs to go back to his uh, deck chair. 
the world has moved on. Yes, he does seem to be stuck in a bit of a time warp, doesn't he? Poor old Mandelson. As I say, I'm constantly bumping into these people. Perhaps I should have a word with them next time. Uh, Ousted Ed Balls is to walk away from the Commons with a taxpayer-funded payout worth £88,000. God. The failure, and then you get money as well. The former Shadow Chancellor is among departing MPs getting a total of £11.5 million in golden goodbyes. Apparently MPs standing down or defeated are entitled to redundancy payments and cash to wind up their offices. We just shut the door, don't you? Isn't that like sort of selling a house? You know, I've, I've lost out. Uh, shut the door. Fat George Galloway, he's now taking it to court because he claims it was a dirty tricks campaign. Nothing worse than a bad loser. Nothing worse than a bad loser. But uh, Mr Balls will be entitled to one month of his 67,000 MP salary for each year he's been in the Commons, up to a maximum of six years. As he was elected in 2005, he'll receive £33,500. He can then claim up to 53000 to wind up the office. £53,000 to wind up an office? Get a company and they'll do it cheaper. Uh, and, uh, and his staff, redundancy payments, about 80 defeated MPs and 90 who stood down are due the farewell payouts. Uh, as John O'Connell of the Taxpayers' Alliance has said, taxpayers will be astounded at the remarkable size of this bill. There remained much to do to reduce the cost of politics. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely ridiculous. 11.5 million quid for people who've lost, people who've been voted out, people who nobody wants to hear of ever again. Ridiculous, isn't it? So, 75 degrees today. Might as well bring you that that crumb of comfort. That's what you're going to be uh, in on. It's going to be hotter than just about anywhere, I think. And uh, and you're going to suffer. If you're like me and you don't do heat, it's going to get worse. Uh, Anne says, I know somebody who hasn't worked for 35 years. A lazy old so-and-so. The government need to get this thing sorted out straight away. Oh, exactly. There's so many feeble excuses, aren't there, that are being used. Can't work because of this. Oh, I'm too fat to work. Or I've got claiming on this one, claiming on that one. <laughs> no, I've got to sort it out. Sort it out as quickly as possible. Forget, uh, forget slates. Forget slates, bits of wood, shovels and all that malarkey. Says Bill, forget even good old China. Why nobody reverts to uh, to what else our ancestors used to use. And this was um, sort of a bulletproof round of bread, which gradually softened over the course of the meal as, he, as it soaked into it. I've had that before. We had something years ago. You get a cottage loaf. Um, you know what the cottage loaf looks like? That round thing with a bit on the top. Cut the top off. Take the... Um, the bread out from inside and then spoon oh sounds delicious isn't it spoon whatever meat you want inside or you could just do vegetables inside it's quite nice it's making me hungry and then you could put the lid back on again and then bake it in the oven and you could put in a beef stew with dumplings and things like that. it's quite quite delicious quite delicious uh, sales of bras that instantly boost your bus size uh, are soaring thanks to celebrities like kim kardashian and beyonce while apparently the number of real-life boob jobs have declined. I think mainly because people are very silly. You know, if, if you've got, you know, you see people who've had them increased just ludicrously because they think it makes them look good, and then years later, go, oh, I don't want it done now. I'll have them taken away. You suddenly realise you've got a few extra pounds in front of you. Standing upright is a bit of a trick. You know, as, as I remember saying, you know, to my, to my grandma, well, looking at my poor, poor grandmother, who had sort of a nice pair of boobs, actually. Not that I looked at them that often. I don't want you to sort of think there was anything weird about me in that way. But I remember seeing a birthday card which uh, had a, a yob standing by a bus stop saying to an old lady there, show me your boobs. And she promptly lifts up her jumper and they fall to the ground. Because, you know, by the time you get, if, if you've got very big boobs, 
the one thing they're going to do is head vertically downwards. They're going to drop. And so, you know, provided you get yourself a couple of wheelbarrows, you should be able to wheel them around. I see some people with absolutely enormous boobs, which must be a, a dreadful hindrance for them. You get bad backs. Most women, as you know, are wearing the wrong size bra because nobody gets themselves measured. People go, oh, I'm a 32A or 34B or whatever it happens to be. And they go out and that's what they buy. But nobody, until you get yourself measured by one of the specialist shops, realises that they're probably wearing the wrong bra size. Linda Nolan, still sobbing, faces the shame of the benefit fraud charge. Of course, she wouldn't be uh, if she hadn't been caught. But she was caught. £12,000. She wrongly pocketed the cash while appearing on television and writing a magazine column. She says, I've made a stupid mistake. Yes, you did. The stupid mistake for you, Linda, was getting caught. Yesterday, you had no sympathy for her at all. She says, I'm embarrassed and ashamed. Um, well, so you should be. You got caught. She says, I've been an idiot. How did she get caught, I wonder? That always interests me. And also, as we pointed out yesterday, she's got Colleen. Colleen, who lives up in Blackpool as well. Don't they know? You know, her husband dies. Don't these people keep in contact with each other? Quite clearly not. Quite clearly not. She says... Um, I've been called lots of things, you know, ignorant and stupid and an idiot, but don't call me dishonest. You're dishonest. That's why you're going to court. You're not going to court for being stupid. You're going to court for being dishonest. That's why they sent you the court thing. She said she's going to start paying it back. But if she doesn't have any means of income, I don't quite understand where the money's going to come from. Perhaps the rest of the family can club together and pay it back. Because there's no doubt that we're going to get it back. She says, I don't know what to do. And uh, she doesn't. Last week she got this summons for failing to disclose her earnings and for the overpayment of housing and council tax. I mean, she knew that she was being overpaid. You know, it's no good putting up the argument of being stupid. She's an intelligent person. You know, I'm I'm not going to buy into the fact that you're stupid at all. Apparently she's been left with sleepless nights. Yeah, I'm sure you have. As anybody who cheats the system, you know, once a benefit fraudster, always a benefit fraudster. And we'll wait and see what the courts decide. But the reason that you're in the papers, Linda, because there are thousands of other people in your situation who have cheated the system, we put them in court in exactly the same way. You're going to be treated no differently than anybody else who has done a similar thing. It was £12,000. If this had been 1000 or 200 or whatever it would be, but £12,000 is a fraud. I'm afraid, whether you like it or not. And she says it, it's a terrible feeling. Of course, you've been caught. You must have known you were earning money from places and you carried on claiming the other. All you had to do was phone up or fill in the forms saying that your circumstances have changed, but you chose not to. And for that, you have to pay the uh, the penalty. And uh, she said she was signed on when she was unable to return to the stage after losing her husband, who was the Nolan's tour manager. Terribly sad, but you knew what you were doing. We're not going to buy into, I'm really stupid. I can't buy into that at all. It's fine. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, you're pretty 26 minutes to uh, six. Rolf Harris in the papers, uh, the follow-on story from yesterday, that there are 20 more people who are going to take out private prosecutions. And the uh, headline today, which is roughly the same as yesterday when they were talking about he's got a £15 million Uh, fortune, and he could lose that to new victims. I don't know how that's going to work out. I think his wife owns half the house, so they can't touch anything like that. And uh, perhaps stuff in other companies, I don't know what what provision they've made, but that one's going to run this week. Sally Burko says, I'm a terrible wife. I think you are, really. Yes, I mean, I don't... Listening to Yasmin Anabai Brown the other day, she was practically shouting down the radio. (laughs) What on earth have you done? 
You stupid woman, what on earth have you done? You've embarrassed your husband. Your children must be just weeping, I should imagine. But uh, they asked the question today, is she the most embarrassing wife in Westminster? Yes, I would think so. There's quite a number of uh, of attention seekers in there. She's possibly one of the worst, one of the worst attention seekers. But uh, but that's that's the way it goes, isn't it, nowadays? That is the world of celebrity. That's why we talk about it. Uh, Maria says, too many people are being paid extra benefit money for mental health problems. Only those with dementia should have extra money. Free bus passes are only charged if used for each journey made, not for having the bus pass. Yes, exactly. I mean, they're not going to charge you for sitting there not using it. It's when it uh, it's when it gets used, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, another one here from Malcolm says watching some of the contestants on various game shows really drives me to despair. One of the questions asked, "How many strings does a violin have?" The answer given was two. Another was about films. The young student have never heard of the films Gigi and Gandhi, but uh, but the one which really took the biscuit was which musical is the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" from? The contestant didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. I don't know why, but the, where they find these people from, but they but they sort of turn up, don't they, on game shows? But then you wouldn't expect them to know these things. They really, you you really wouldn't. I mean, I've I've mentioned to people before about Diana Ross, you know, and people and they've gone, who's that? You know, you say to somebody Tito Jackson, and they say, who's that? And you go, part of the Jackson Five. They go, the Jackson Five. What there were five of them? You go, of course there were five of them. Of course there were five of them. You know, they're all very famous. We haven't run the interview yet. As you know, we haven't. Are you, are you here for something early this morning, or are you leaving? Are you leaving? Are this at twenty-five to six? I can't believe it. But what? Oh, Baftas! Yeah, but they finished hours ago. What do you? I know. I know what he does. He goes round the tables and he picks up for a goodie bag, so he takes something home to eat later. <laughs> do you want to come and tell me about the Baftas? Do you want to come and tell me about the Baftas? Do you want to come in? Yeah, come, come in. Just, just give me a quick couple of minutes. Quick couple of minutes. Our showbiz, one of our showbiz editors. We've never done this before, honestly. This is like breaking all the rules, isn't it? I might as well find out about them. Very smart. Do you like it? Very nice. Black tie. Very morning, s- Steve. Good morning. Gosh, you're very smart today. <laughs> so, what time did you go to the BAFTAs? Uh, left the party, half past two. And catching up on the news, obviously, Steve. The great and the good. The, I know you're a huge fan of everything. No, heard the you thing reporting. I complained about this morning. <laughs> why does it just concentrate on the clothes? Nobody mentioned the blokes there. It's always the... And some poor creature. I don't know what she was wearing, but it looked like the dress was... It only had one, one sleeve to it. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was ripped halfway down. There were some interesting frocks on the red carpet. But you're right. I mean, we're here to celebrate some... Uh, 2014 was a great year for drama. Some of the greatest performances. Uh, some brilliant talent. Six out of seven of the main categories were first-time winners, Steve, at the BAFTAs. But, of course, Antidex celebrating as well with two awards. Two awards. Graham Norton hosting and him picking up an award as well. Uh, a special tribute to Clive James I thought was really beautiful and poignant. He, he wasn't moment. there, was he? Wasn't he's, there, of he's course. He's Yeah. A VT from him and uh, Jon Snow at the end as well, picking up the Fellowship Award. Oh, right. That's quite nice. Yeah. And Anton Deck, I think, uh, for everybody... They they wipe the board, and the reason they do it, there's no competition for them. I mean, who who would be the competition for Ant and Deck? There isn't anybody, is there? No, unless Ollie and Caroline from X Factor become a threat next unlikely. year. I think okay, unlikely. I think unlikely. Let's not go there, shall we? I mean, <laughs> Ollie could by himself, not with Caroline. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. And, of course, everyone on the red carpet talking to me about the Louis Walsh story. Now yeah. we've seen Simon Cowell's tweet, so there'll be a lot on that today and over the next 12 so hours. So it's confirmed that he is going? It's not been 100% confirmed mm. by ITV or X Factor, but that tweet would... I feel sorry for Louis. I, I, I did say yesterday, I said I felt sorry for the fact that, you know, he's been there for a long time. He has got a good track record. He does know 
what he's talking about. Absolutely. There's a, there's a rumour it's going to be Nick Grimshaw. Or Louis Tomlinson from One Direction. Oh, Lord, you can't have him. He'll be forever going to the toilet, won't he, during the programme? It'll be ridiculous. He'll never be on the panel long enough. So, so who, who, who did look the best on the red carpet? Um, I thought Emma Willis actually looked stunning last yeah, that night. That was quite a nice thing. Yeah, it was quite beautiful. Yeah. And um, I thought Sheridan Smith looked quite lovely last night as well. Yeah. And the likes of Vicky McClure and Keely Hawes as well from In the Line of Duty. Um, and, uh, they didn't and... like Jessica Wright, the papers. They said she needs to stay at home more. <laughs> she was wearing a, an outfit from, uh, from one of her own uh, collections. That's I think, right. Which is quite sweet. You know, nice to turn up in something cheap. We had a great chat, actually, about Mark and his stag do in Las Vegas. I know you mentioned that earlier. There and pictures uh, of him in the paper again today. And to about Michelle as well. So, they've, yes. They've actually put him in a pair of sort of white swimming trunks. I've sent a <laughs> message of sympathy to Michelle immediately. <laughs> Felt a bit sorry for him. So now you're going to bed. Going to bed now. Is that all right? Yes. Are you going for the X Factor job? No. Okay, fine. No. Fine, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused over the X Factor and Britain's Got Talent because they seem to cross over. The, the, the X Factor is the one that doesn't have the European circus acts. Britain's Got Talent <laughs> is the one with the European circus acts who don't admit to being European circus acts. And as for Eurovision, don't, know, don't talk about oh, that. Oh, I like that. There's a programme on that, on the telly, I think, tonight. Oh, is there? Yeah. But I, I can't, who, who's the British entry? Can you remember? Um, it's a, yes, it's a duo called Electro Velvet. Right. It's one of the worst entries we're ever putting worst... forward for the last 20 years, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, there you go. Kevin Hughes has spoken and he knows. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Sorry to drag you in. But I thought, no, you, you were in and you always look so smart. I always feel like a sack of potatoes next to Kevin. It's I've got to go to a... You don't need to push the door. Oh, no, There's no security. I went to the wrong studio. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. It was nice, but he just sort of dropped in. He's literally finished at BAFTAs. It finished at 2.30 this morning because he has to do all the, the packages and everything else. That was excitement, wasn't it? Look at that. I've had a person on this programme for ages and ages. <laughs> I think I might have to go more for this wrinkle cream. Uh, anyway, uh, what were they talking about yesterday on the... I was listening to LBC yesterday. I, see, I, was, I was catching loads of it because it was all very confusing and many of you appeared to be confused when you suddenly realised that uh, it was Sunday and, yes, James O'Brien was on, but then you got confused on Saturday when Nick Ferrari was on at breakfast with Andrew Pearce on his programme. And people were writing in going, what day of the week is it? <laughs> Didn't know where everybody was going. Interesting. Um, what else do we have in the uh, in the papers today? Uh, the Blairites fight to stop the union favourite Andy Burnham becoming the new leader. They're all putting themselves forward, aren't they? We did have a bit of a laugh the other day, I'm afraid, at the expense of poor old David Lammy, who laughingly told the world or anybody who would listen that uh, that he might stand for Labour leadership or, failing that, he might go for the London mayor. Confidently bricked. I don't think poor old David Lammy is going to be going anywhere soon. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, there's this sad story. I don't know if I can do this sad story. I'm not sure if my heart's in it at the moment. I need to get myself into the frame of mind because it is such a sad story. And, uh, and if you get really, really sad stories in the papers, it, it affects people. And people are going, oh, no, I don't want to know about that. So the, the, the good news is that VE Day, the celebrations, not to be uh, overshadowed at all, were absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, to see the, the veterans out there, some in their 90s, a lot in wheelchair, they were enjoying the day. They got the rounds of applause that they, they always deserve because without them, we wouldn't be sitting here now doing this. Uh, so as Kevin just told you, Ant and Double Decker, the TV Jew is scooping two BAFTAs. I mean, they, they must have to build an extra room at home to accommodate all of these awards because you have to give two, don't you? You have to give two. Rochelle... Apparently, laughed off rumours that Saturdays are calling it a day. Oh, that's a pity. How to ruin your Monday. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, she says, but warned fans, they won't be getting a new album anytime soon. We're not splitting. 
We've been batting that story away since our first album, so it's nothing new. Uh, perhaps she doesn't know that three of them are going solo. Perhaps nobody's told her. Because Rochelle, I think very wisely so, has decided not to continue with a music career. Uh, chat shows a marathon. Graham Norton has advised James Corden to enjoy his late, late show while he can, as he might not find it so exciting in 12 months' time. I don't know. I see television's very unforgiving. Graham seems to have, have nailed it, which is good. Uh, Katie Hopkins has been challenged to a boxing match by uh, Charlotte Church. Good grief. That's the, you remember Charlotte Church, don't you? Charlotte Church, stand up, fall down, stand up, fall down. That was mainly every time she came to London, she got so horrendously drunk. Her parents have a pub, though, I believe in, uh, in Welsh Wales, where it, it's so classy, I believe the furniture is screwed to the floor. Makes it easy for when people start picking it up and throwing it around. Anyway, it's been a bit of a Twitter row. Katie Hopkins, lovely Katie, took a pop at uh, Charlotte Church after she joined an anti-austerity march in Cardiff, protesting against the utterly intolerable Conservative Party. Um... Church carried a banner which read, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. The singer's appearance at the rally, organised by Cardiff's People Assembly, seemed to rile Katie Hopkins. The reality star tweeted, Oi, Charlotte Church, wind your neck in. Uh, you're Welsh and you lost. Uh, own your problems. Church replied, I have no interest in ever conversing with you. You lack humility and you can't spell parasite. And then she later added, fancy a charity boxing match. To be honest with you, I shouldn't imagine it's going to be uh, too difficult to knock out poor old Charlotte Church. I'm mad as hell. I think you don't need to put anything else after that, did you? Uh, Chukramuna, tipped as leadership battle begins. You're going to see all sorts of people uh, coming out of the woodwork and you'll be going, I've never heard of you, never heard of you, and some of them you will have heard of, and, uh, and you'll be going, well, I don't want them either. Uh, they're obviously in a dreadful state. The Lib Dems are in possibly the worst state they've been in in their entire careers. And the Labour Party not faring any better. And I'm afraid in the local elections for all of those people who are voting, the Conservatives took an extra 500 seats at the expense of the Lib Dems and Labour. The Lib Dems utterly decimated. Might as well just close up shop. Seriously, it was that bad the other day. People were sitting there with jaws on floor. People were sort of going... What? Why, why did people change? But as I said yesterday, I think people got to the ballot box and they changed their mind there. I think they looked at the piece of paper, they looked down the list, they went, Lib Dem again? Psst, Conservative. And that's how it worked. That's how it worked. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, roughly three years ago, Steve, a colleague who now lives in America and I had lunch at a respectable but... Um, informal restaurant in Covent Garden. I ordered a meal which was served on a plate. She ordered one which was served on a lump of wood. She didn't bat an eyelid, and it never occurred to me to ask whether she'd experienced that before. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand why they serve it on... I've had, I've had breakfast served on a piece of wood before. Whereas I should really be saying, is, it, is this safe? I mean, should, should, I, should we be issued with little things that can tell you about um, bacteria? Would that not make perfect sense? Uh, somebody complaining about... Um, about uh, prescriptions and why some people get them for free. Uh, Stephen from Ladywell says prescriptions for those aged six year over free. Somebody said so. You're complaining about people who get items for free and yet uh, you don't pay for your prescriptions. So you're getting them for free. I can't change the law, I'm afraid. It's the law. If they say you have to have it for free, I have to have it for free. Simple as that. I can't start offering money. What are they going to do with it? Put it into a separate account. So like a piggy bank. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. Somebody's written in, obviously some poor misguided soul, 
who says, oh, no, somebody wrote on a statue that can be washed off, yet you basically say people with depression deserve no sympathy. I didn't say that at all. You need to listen properly. I didn't say that at all. I didn't say that at all. You know, nothing worse than somebody who, who either is partially deaf and can't hear, or failing that, you're a bit too stupid. And I suspect it's probably the latter. No, I said the people on Benefit Street, they seem to claim depression on a regular basis. And every picture there, they are laughing, swigging a beer bottle. You know, 20 years been on depression. Well, you know, to be honest with you, all these people deserve all the uh, all the stuff that they get from all the critics. They, they appear on television. Yet the moment they manage to get some, some, uh, some money back in from doing personal appearances, the depression vanishes completely. I didn't say everybody with depression. I said people on this programme, listen more carefully in future, could get you into trouble one of these days. Uh, like you, says uh, Iceman, who've paid a ridiculous amount of tax and national insurance over the years. I worked in the money markets and... Uh, uh, it broke my heart every month when I looked at the tax. I'm now 66 years young. Why not take a little back? Yes, I was just saying, I'm not one of those sort of people who actually um, who takes advantage of anything. If there's something on offer, I'm not really that bothered about it. I've never claimed, even when I've been unemployed, I've never claimed any, not one penny piece. I've always sort of, you know, got by. It's as simple as that. Uh, somebody says, um, oh, Ron says, bus or Bentley? I know which I'd choose. Bus, of course, making every journey in the Bentley that bit more special. Uh, Sarah says cancer patients don't have to pay for their prescriptions as I have epilepsy plus serious joint problems. I don't pay for my prescriptions. Uh, and then somebody says one time I ran out of test strips for my diabetic blood sample machine. I hadn't put the prescription in on time. So I went to my regular chemist to get some and she said we'd have to charge you for them. Well, that's ridiculous. If it appears on your prescription, they just give it to you and knock it off the next one. Also, you see, I mean, I, I, I love this idea. I hadn't put my prescription in on time. You must be living in a, in a different world. I don't need to put my prescription in at all. My prescription is sent automatically from the doctor's surgery to the chemist to then make it up. So if it's something you've been having regularly and then it gets missed off, because it, presumably if you're diabetic, you get test strips all the time. I can have as many as I want, but I don't claim them every month because sometimes I think, no, I'm, I'll save a bit of money there. I've got enough test strips. I can I can keep doing it. So... You know, you, you just you must have a really bad chemist, a really bad chemist. Steam train drivers, Steve, used to use the uh, the shovels and do their fry ups there, which is lovely. Uh, another one here, which says, uh, in order to sort out the mental health issues, the people on Benefit Street need to lay off the booze and the wacky backy, says Caroline. Uh, loving your book. Yes, I mean, I agree. And then somebody talked about the Nolan, Linda Nolan, who was a well-known face on television. How did she think that nobody at the Social Security office would spot her? It does go back a few years, this story. It does go back a few years. My group, says Kevin, toured with a Scottish group called The Exploited. And their lead singer told me of the Friday a few months earlier when his dole officer called him in one Friday morning after he'd seen them doing their first appearance on Top of the Pops the night before. His dole was stopped that morning. Yes, I mean, all we've had now is Linda Nolan, who is, is bleating on saying, oh, you know, it's awful, I'm so sorry, and all this kind of thing. Yes, I mean, had, of course, she not been caught, she'd still have been claiming this money. And she would still, you know, be bleating on about it. Uh, the only competition to Anton Dex, says Simon, would be the Chuckle Brothers. Yes, but they're, they're sadly not on television for... Uh, very long, are they, really? They do have a book out, or a video, I think, the Chuckle Brothers. I think they do, I'm pretty certain. Uh, and then Barry says, after washing the breadboard, put it in the microwave. The steam will kill all the germs. Oh, right, you can do that, can you? I don't know. And uh, Max says, any material in Twickenham that is porous is unhygienic to serve food on. Wood is porous. 
It's not Max I know, is it? And um, another one here. This is from... I'm trying to get as many of these in as I can uh, this morning before the news at uh, at six o'clock. People talking about the new leader of the Labour Party. Who is it going to be? And I've said before, you're going to be seeing a lot of names in the frames. What's the best show you've watched in a theatre? Oh, Lord, there is the question, Oliver. I have no idea. I've, I've seen loads of shows. Actually, Memphis gets really good reviews, doesn't it? Really good reviews, I think. Uh, love listening to you, says uh, Lourdes. On Thursday, I bought two floral displays and put them on my dad's grave, as today was his sixth anniversary. So yesterday, went along to Beckenham Cemetery, and lo and behold, they've disappeared. They've disappeared. Talk about grave robbers. Scoured all over the graves to see if I could uh, spot them. Nope. Told my dad to look out for the thieves and give them a big haunting surprise. What next? People, unfortunately, uh, Lordes, do pinch flowers from cemeteries. In fact, there was a couple who were convicted a few years ago. It was a few years ago. What they were doing, they were stealing flowers from inside the cemetery and selling them in their florist. They were reusing the flowers. And I suppose, technically, you've given the flowers to somebody who's dead. So, technically, they're not owned by anybody. It's the people who steal from outside charity shops mentality. They're on the pavement, therefore, they're free for all. The charity shops put big signs in the front saying, don't leave stuff on the pavement, people thieve it. And people do. I've seen people walking past at night in the early hours of the morning, picking up stuff, going through it, and then walking off with it. Because, technically, it's not owned by the shop because it's sitting on the pavement. I know it's it's one of the it's it's a dichotomy really and it's it's a bit of a problem but people thieve just about anything nowadays. Um there's um people saying junk food kills bugs that help us stay thin. Because there is this problem with junk food, isn't there? People like it because it's very tasty. Uh, but yet at the same time you're not getting any thinner. Professor Tim Spector believes it partly explains the rising obesity level. You do see it all over the place. You know, I've got to go to a uh, a semi-posh do. The lady ratlings would be furious at me calling it a semi-posh do. It's about as posh as I get. And I love seeing them. And I've got to do that next Sunday. I think I'm taking Barbara to that next Sunday. And uh, I, I, what I've got to do this week is try on the clothes before we get there. I don't want to get to Sunday, go back home, try try something on, and then suddenly realise it doesn't fit, as we all have ever-expanding waistlines. Uh, guess who's still alive? Looking a little bit frail, but he's still there. Burt Reynolds. 79 years old, still wearing that dreadful toupee, but uh, at least he's all there with his pink glasses. There must be something about pink glasses. And the funny story in there, which sort of kind of goes against everything that I've heard on LBC over the years, Fidel Castro, who portrayed himself as a man of the people who despised wealth, apparently he lived in ultimate luxury and had a fortune of hundreds of millions of dollars. So says a former bodyguard. He had a private island with a floating restaurant, a helipad, an aquarium uh, with two pet dolphins. Only those closest to him knew about the island south of Havana called Cayo uh, Piedra. And that's what he visited on his private yacht. In the double life of Fidel Castro, Juan Reynaldo Sanchez who guarded the dictator for 17 years, said he had 20 other properties, adding Castro directly stated that the revolution left him no respite or leisure and he despised the bourgeois concept of vacation. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Yesterday, Raul Castro replaced his ailing brother. He's 83 as president, said he was so impressed by Pope Francis that he might return to the church despite being a communist. 
Church activists were suppressed in Cuba, but after meeting the Pope at the Vatican yesterday, Castro said, if the Pope continues to talk as he does, I will start praying and return to the church, and I am not kidding. He's 83, so presumably coming to the end of his life, he better hang around with somebody, because he needs to uh, to make sure and assure himself of a place. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's got to be up, up on a cloud, hasn't it, I suppose. Um... The power of a handshake. How many people's hands have you shaken recently? And you go, oh, it's a bit wet, a bit of a limp. And apparently the firm handshake has long been seen as the, uh, you know, the, the way that you get a good business business meeting started. But it doesn't necessarily have to be between humans. A study has found that the gesture is just, defe- just as effective when a, one of them involved is a robot, apparently. Researchers from University of Bath have used a two-foot-tall humanoid robot to examine the effect of a virtual handshake. This is what they're doing in universities now. They've got a robot shaking hands with people. God, blimey, let's close these places down, turn them into squats. So much easier. But uh, they say here, the, they were physically in different locations, set up 60 fake property negotiations, each involving two real people, one of whom was communicating remotely via the robot. And that's what they found, the power of a handshake, even uh, even a robotic one is actually very, very telling. Uh, the other story, which is uh, which is not so good, is police cars doubling as ambulances to ferry thousands of people to A&E. We don't have enough ambulances out there. And the RAF have grounded its airbuses after a crash in Spain. And how many more supermarkets are going to announce, you know, a fall in profits? I can't quite work out which supermarkets you're using at the moment, but certainly I think in Sainsbury's and Tesco's case, and I think in Morrison's as well, you must be shopping around somewhere or feeling that perhaps you're all growing your own food. I think unlikely. Half an hour left of Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC after, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Lisa Aziz brings you the morning news at 6.30. It's Nick Ferrari, who's joined by Harriet Harman. Still to come on the programme, though, more of the front pages... The Telegraph says David Cameron's begun negotiations over Britain's EU membership and a referendum could be held as early as next year. Tony Blair and his allies have blamed Labour's election defeat on Ed Miliband's decision to ditch new Labour, says The Independent. And The Sun claims the Speaker's wife, Sally Burko, cheated on her husband, John, for a year with his cousin. She's in the papers today on crutches. It's all a bit sad and a little bit depressing, but it makes up the rich tapestry that we call journalism. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. More is next. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Monday, the 11th of May. Prince Harry has been telling Sky News it'd be great to have somebody to share the pressure with. Oh, dear Lord, save me from pressure. What pressure can there be? Pampered? Privileged? Doesn't need to worry about paying bills like the rest of us? Doesn't need to worry about, you know, is the bus going to be late? Can I get there? He has said that he would like to have uh, earn, earn a wage and, uh, and be with normal people. I know, it can be so tedious around that palace. Granny's an absolute pain, isn't she? I mean, all this dressing up and the medals which sort of Dad put on his chest and we're going, where'd you get those from? And he tells us it's a car boot. And so he's preparing to leave the army. He's been preparing to leave the army for God knows how long. But life is one long party for Prince Harry. I can't understand, really, why they're doing it. 
think it's damage limitation. Are they doing it after all the bad publicity about Harry being drunk and kicking off in the Las Vegas incident, which we try not to talk about? Harry dressing up in a Nazi uniform, all sorts of strange things. It's almost like, you know, now, now that William's settled down and William obviously wants to stay out of the limelight and Harry's got nothing else to do. So let's uh, let's sort of, you know, let's talk about the cross. He's 30. He, he would like to have children, but as he doesn't have a partner, it's going to be slightly difficult unless he knows a different way. The thousand heroes who came to the capital yesterday. What a what an uplifting day it was. What a day in the capital to be proud of. Everybody served themselves well. All the veterans were there. Over a thousand of, uh, of those men and women who served so well in the forces and who were clapped and cheered all the way through and it was just it was you know for some of them it was just an emotional experience uh, the latest person on benefit street i admit to call them stars because i see them as just being waste of space this one hasn't worked for 20 years either but she can't wait to put a, pu- a pool in her council house she don't want to need to sort these people out can't we just put them on an island somewhere you know you're on benefit street you know don't, don't you want to work no no we just like getting drunk and smoking wacky backy uh, the comedy trampolinist, as I've pointed out already this morning, who is a professional circus act, has been for years. And they put them on television and they tell blatant lies. Uh, the serial killer Rose West swapping recipes with inmates. She's never going to come out of prison. Why are we keeping her alive? I see no, no useful purpose there. And so somebody like her is alive. And here is a story which touched my heart this morning. And uh, it's a story of Ilsa Fieldsend. Every time she goes to bed... At night, before she goes to sleep, she listens to a recording she made of her daughter's heartbeat in the last tragic moments of her life. She'd already prepared herself for three-year-old Georgia to die, cradled her in her hospital bed, taken prints of her hands and feet, kissed her goodbye and told her everything. And then she gently helped medical staff to detach the tubes and the wires from her life support machine until that heartbeat, the one which pulsed so strongly inside this young girl, finally faded into silence. And they, they recorded it so that she would have that as a lasting memory. She collapsed on a beach, Georgia, at the age of three, an Egyptian beach. She never regained consciousness. And uh, they took her to hospital. Even the uh, the surgeon believes, because it was... Uh, Uh, A consultant who intervened after 20 minutes, which, of course, by that time, the brain has been starved of oxygen. But they had that heartbreaking decision to make. And you'll see the picture in the Daily Mail today of an absolutely gorgeous little girl who lit up everybody's life, looking as happy as happy could be. And the family had to take that decision to turn off the machine that was keeping her alive. And they had to make the decision as well as to whether or not they would allow her organs to be used so that somebody else could live. And they had, you know, lots of heartbreak over this, with tears streaming down their faces. Uh, Ilse and James signed the consent forms for all their daughter's organs to be used. Deciding on whether to use her eyes was very difficult, but eventually they agreed. So with time ticking away, they spent every second with her, and they recorded a heartbreak, they took a lock of her hair... And uh, now they have um, a teddy bear. When they push the button, it plays her heartbeat. And she said, at the, at the very end, when George was taken off the machine, I put my hand on her heart and felt it beat slower and slower until it stopped. It was so incredibly sad, she said. But I then looked at her and said, go, Georgia, go and save some lives. And that night, two, uh, two young boys, she died in the early hours of... New Year's Eve, they later put their daughter in her favourite dress and dancing shoes. They were allowed to take her home 
before the funeral. They read her bedtime stories. They talked about her life, everything. You know, it's, it's really, you cannot imagine the heartbreak that this family went through. And, um, and then she said, we, we, we took her to her funeral. We said she wouldn't be coming back with us, but she was still in our hearts. But she, her, her sort of death has helped other children live. So out of this incredible amount of sadness and her mummy whispering, go and save lives, Georgia, she did. There were two, two boys that night, which they weren't aware of until uh, afterwards. And there were lots of, uh, lots of links in this story. I mean, for any parent everywhere, this is your worst nightmare. But the, the happiness that comes out of it in her short life and the good that she did and the big decisions that the, uh, the mummy and daddy took really just breaks your heart. Absolutely breaks your heart. That's in the, uh, the mail today. I read it earlier on this morning and I can, you can only think that any parent who will read that will be thinking exactly the same as me. It's absolutely your worst possible scenario. She never regained consciousness, but they, uh, they took her home. I've seen that before with parents. They don't want to be parted from their child, so they take them home and they, they read them stories. It's, I mean, it's such a difficult thing to do, such a difficult thing. Uh, the Daily Mirror this morning on the front page. It's Sally the Burke, I'm afraid. It really is. She's been accused of an affair with her husband's cousin, who's also called Burko, and uh, she's apparently heartbroken, as you would be. As you would, but apparently it went on for about a year. The papers are saying now, she described herself as a terrible wife to politician John, but refused to comment on claims of a fling. She says Alan has broken my, and then she said a rude word because she's uh, she's prone to come at rude. Her children must be absolutely mortified. That's mummy again, embarrassing daddy. I'm afraid, she says if John wants me back, he's crazy. As I say, I should imagine, even as we're sitting here this morning, agents are queuing up at her door saying we've got loads of work lined up for you, whatever you want to do. She's got three children to support. But I should imagine, you know, John Burko being the man that he is, not the most popular person in, uh, in the House of Commons. But looking at a picture of the, uh, of the cousin, dear Lord above, where was he when looks were handed out? But as I say, most of uh, Sally's track record is with... Um, Let's just call them not exactly the best-looking people I've ever seen in the world. Uh, Labour's start of a 10... Chucker and uh, Burnham in the running to replace Ed. Jarvis rules himself out despite backing in the poll. They're looking at all the people here. Yvette Cooper, uh, 5 to 1. Harriet Harman, 33 to 1. She's going to be with Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, Tristram Hunt, 7 to 1. Stella Creasy, 33 to 1. So that's way down the line. And Liz Kendall, 8 to 1. Uh, it'll be interesting. David Miliband, 20 to 1. 20 to 1. We'll wait and see. And I'm sure that people will be following it through uh, on LBC and in the uh, the newspapers as, as the uh, as the political comments come in, and uh, and we ask all the experts. Not that I think we can ask the experts anymore. They're not been particularly good. Either. They couldn't even forecast the election. I'm afraid. Bradley Wiggins was going to refuse his knighthood till his grand said to him, "You're bloody crazy." <laughs> the cycling legend who took London gold ten days after becoming the first British Tour de France winner was told by his nan Maureen his granddad would turn in his grave if he refused. He said, I never saw myself as a sir, so I said to my nan, I wasn't going to accept it. My granddad died in 2010, and she said, you're stupid, you're crazy. So I saw it from nan's point of view. Where we grew up, there weren't many knights of the realm. So now he's Sir Bradley Wickens. <laughs> Always takes a grandmother to know the ways of the world. Uh, so in Bromley says, you were talking about people not being able to use plates. The thing that drives me mad... People who can't use a knife and fork properly. We watched two 20-year-olds stabbing their meat with the knife and tearing chunks of meat with the fork. They held them incorrectly, too. 
ghastly, isn't it? Absolutely ghastly. What is the matter with these people? What is the matter? I don't quite understand it. Uh, 84850, uh Very quickly, let me just uh, move over to, uh, to take some more. Uh, a lot of people telling me that any... Uh, any material that's porous is unhygienic to serve food on. This is this campaign that this man, it's gone viral on Twitter. People complaining about going into restaurants. I mean, luckily in most posh restaurants, they do serve, you know, on plates. We went for tea, as you know, on, was it Friday? Yes, at, at the at the Langham. Lovely. I've been there a few times. We've been there for because people have um, paid to have tea with me at the Langham. We've done it... Um, I think we've done it once or twice, actually, but it was, it's, it's really nice. I do like afternoon tea. It's a, it's a luxury that you can't afford all the time, um, but occasionally when you actually do it, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, I've recently discovered, Steve, my favourite restaurant, which I thought had gone forever a few years ago, the Chelsea Kitchen. It used to be on the King's Road. It's on the Fulham Road, just after um, the hospital, with the same classic menu. So I ordered a banana split with ice cream and hot chocolate sauce. And it didn't come in a glass boat, but a flat plate just wasn't the same. Yes, a friend of mine made um, Knickerbocker Glory the other day. I never knew why it was called Knickerbocker Glory. There was no logical... Do you have Knickerbocker Glory in? No. Do you know what it is? No. Producer looks at me vacantly. It's sort of... You get a tall glass and you put in the bottom some fruit and then some ice cream, then some more fruit, then a bit more ice cream and then more fruit... And then some meringue and things like that till you get to the top. No, it's not like trifle at all. No, no tri- trifle's different. That's why it's called trifle and this one's called Knickerbocker Glory. If it was a trifle, it'd be called trifle, wouldn't it? And then and you get to that. It's a very tall, thin glass. You have to have a long spoon to get to the bottom. And your parents, when you ordered it, used to say, you won't eat it. And of course, you had to prove that you could eat a whole Knickerbocker Glory. Have you heard of Eaton Mess? God, it's an education, this programme this morning. It really is. So nice to welcome our overseas cousins to the uh, studio this morning. And we'll be running through other things. Have you heard of roast beef? <laughs> Not sure about that one. Uh, sorry? <laughs> Kangaroo. <laughs> Quarter past. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every uh, 6.21. All back to normal. I say all back to as normal as things can be after Prince Harry was saying that he, he wants to be with normal people. I'm assuming he was with normal people, unless, of course, you think that people who work within the uh, royal family are not normal people, which uh, I tend not to. YouTube is marking uh, 10 years of DIY clips. I love YouTube. I really love YouTube. I mean, apart from the fact that I'm on YouTube, uh, I do I do like going on there, mainly for pop songs, which is very strange, isn't it, seeing as I, I don't play music on the radio, not for many a year now, but I, I just love going on there. I was watching earlier on The Seekers, um, and the loyalty of their fans. And then you go on to any of these things. I've watched, you know, quite a number of people on YouTube. And it's always good for finding out things. If you miss something, you go in, you type in the name, and up it comes. So long may it continue. Thank you very much indeed. Um, the 15 people held on the riots. The riots don't make the front pages of the papers that I can see at the moment. Uh, except at the, the front page of the Times. This is the story that we were running on the news. Brussels is going to force Britain to accept the Mediterranean migrants. Tens of thousands of refugees. Where on earth are they going to go? Where on earth are they going to go? I think David Cameron's got to put his uh, foot down. This will be his first battle, I think, of his new premiership. Uh, they reckon here, 60,000. Well, that's, that's the size of a small town, isn't it? 60,000 people. Uh, Italy, of course, at the moment is just reeling 
There's nobody left in these countries. I begin to wonder, actually, how many people, count them on one hand, are left in Poland. Everybody seems to be here at the moment. I reckon you could go over to Poland and pick up property really cheaply at the moment. But based on last year's figures, Britain dealt with 31,500 cases of asylum. They could see that double uh, to the level of countries such as France, which had 64,000 over the same period. Italy, 64,000. Germany... 202,000 asylum applicants. Even Hungary, with a population of about 10 million, had 42,000. But uh, 60,000 people. I mean, are they going to contribute to the country? They've just rehoused in, in Twickenham, a Somalian family. I think it's mum, dad and seven children in a house which isn't quite big enough. And you think, it's, it, this is part of the housing trust. We seem to have a housing trust around now, which I'm sure is absolutely marvellous. But, you know, what do these people do? Do they go and work? Are they allowed to work? Do they still claim benefits? We seem to hand it out left, right and centre at the moment, don't we? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, very quickly, we'll run through the front pages of some of the other pages. Only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, the Blairites, according to The Independent, fighting to stop the union favourite Andy Burnham from becoming a uh, new leader. Lord Mandelson's quoted in lots of the papers today. Uh, the Sun, Sally cheated for a year. This is Sally Burko. Uh, she'll be delighted with the publicity. To be honest with you, just feel a bit sorry for John Burko. He's going to have to walk up and down the corridors. People will be looking at him sagely, nodding their heads and going, it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. Prince Harry. I'm, I'm really a bit bored now with Prince Harry. So he went into the Australian forces to do what? I don't know, just a photo opportunity. Spent a lot of time in pubs. And then he went on a tour of New Zealand where he popped into the, uh, into the Isles only boozer. He had, uh, he actually did a, a questionnaire thing. They were doing one of these pub quizzes. Uh, what breed of dog has the Welsh name for dwarf dog? What breed? Anybody know this one? Put your hand up if you know. Not if you're driving the car down the motorway. Uh, what are the three main ingredients of Eton Mess? And I'm a famous person. I'm a ginger UK male. And I'm a sex addict. Who am I? And he didn't know any of those. <laughs> I have to be quite honest, I had to look at the answers myself. I did know the breed of dog with the Welsh name, and that's, that's Corgi. I do know the three main ingredients of eaten mess, which would be strawberries and cream and meringue. I think that's what they say. Wait a minute, let's just have a quick check of the... Hey, it'd be dreadful if I actually got it wrong. No, there you go. Cream, strawberries and meringue. Delicious. But an absolute nightmare for diabetics. Uh, the papers are also full of pictures, of course, today, of uh, what they were wearing at the BAFTAs. Not, and that's all they go there for. They go there to be seen wearing their their frocks. Um, and it's, it's just a bit a bit pitiful. Perhaps they cut them all out. Mandelson and Blair, Savage, Ed Miliband. They said his uh, leadership was a political experiment gone wrong. Lovely, isn't it? Nice to see so many people are united in this country. Uh, Europe, the battle begins, according to the I. Tory backbenchers say the Prime Minister must win major concessions. Cameron's honeymoon over as the Eurosceptics pile on the pressure. Independent, oh, that's the Blairites fighting again there. At the front of the Telegraph is Sally the Burke again, uh, this time out on a pair of crutches. And uh, she's saying here she's, she was outside her Battersea home. Good Lord, how many homes does this woman have? Do they have separate lives? But she says her marriage to John Burke, who had been difficult for a long time, probably after he uh, turned to her and said, listen, can you stop showing yourself up on the television? We have children. And of course, Sally the Burke just blindly goes on where no man fears to tread, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for Monday. Nice to be back to normal, isn't it? Nice to have your company. Don't forget, you can podcast 
this programme. It'll be available in about... Well, <coughs> I'm tempted to say about 20 minutes' time, but I don't know. We'll wait and see. And, uh, and there'll be a free podcast for you as well. If you go to the LBC website, you can download the LBC podcast app. Available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. That's lbc.co.uk. And you can learn all about podcasting. It's all on there. It's so simple. I promise you, anybody from 9 to 90 can actually do it. If you've got any problems, there's a helpline there as well. So we make sure that we get the podcast to you as quick as possible. Uh, We'll be having our usual pop at a few celebrities on the free podcast for today. Who's in the frame? I have no idea. Always a surprise. Coming up at seven, Nick Ferrari, back in his old slot. But next, it's the morning news with Lisa Aziz.